are listening to the Heavy Metal Hangover, where the beer is always cold and the music is always heavy. With your hosts wearing jeans and leather, not Cracker Jack clothes, Rex and Duff. Welcome to another episode of the Heavy Metal Hangover. My name is Duff. My name is Rex. And here we are back another week. Actually planning on possibly even maybe talking mostly tonight about metal. Um, it, it, go figure this one out. We actually have two plans tonight. This is crazy. One, we're going to probably talk more about metal than anything else. And two, you're not going to believe me, but we actually have some things we plan on talking about tonight. Now, I'm not saying we scripted it. I'm not saying we rehearsed it, because clearly we didn't do those things. But it has been a long time since we have come in with more than, like, one thing. Like, it's rare that we have, like, three or four things we actually want to get to in an episode. Um, and watch this be the week that we don't get to any of them, you know? We, <laughs> we start talking about hogwash and... It could be. Crap. Yeah, well, crap. you know... Um, crap. You know, probably... It's like Jay Jonah. It's probably Jameson. what we're gonna do. Jay Jonah said, you know, "Crap, gonna, uh, crap, mega crap, crap." <laughs> I, you know, ne- next thing you know, I'll go off on a two-hour tangent about you know a set of jugs from Friday the Thirteenth. <laughs> well, we haven't done that. You know, in, you know, we haven't done that in about thirty episodes. So, well, <laughs> we, that's what I'm saying. Like, like I've been, I've been holding back from the, and 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 one of these days, it's just gonna, the, it's just gonna, the dam's burst. gonna burst. Yeah, I, one of these days, I'm just going to get on the show, and I'm just going to be like, look, guys, I can't talk about metal. I just have to say boobies in constant repetition for the next three hours because I feel like I've been I've been storing up too many of them. And and, and I'm, I'm it's got me scared. So, uh, it's got me really scared. So, yeah, I mean. And, we, and what made me think about it was I posted, which I don't normally do, but or I don't often put anything on Instagram. I put something on Instagram the other day and hashtagged it Yes Bone Movies. I was like, man, I haven't done that in a long time either. <laughs> so, you know, real quick. Yes like- Bone Movies was not only like the heavy metal hangover hashtag, but it was specifically like my hashtag. Like I would put it on every anything I ever put on Instagram when, when the, before the, you know, in the old version of the show, I always put Yes Bone Movies as the hashtag. That was my little catchphrase. And um, I hadn't used it in a while. And when I when I hashtagged it, I was like, oh, man. You know, I've been, like, playing. I haven't been half the scumbag I really am lately. Like, I used to say I wasn't. See, here's the problem. In the old show, I would always tell people, in real life, I'm not half the scumbag you hear on this show. The problem is I've been playing it so nice lately, I feel that me on the show isn't half the scumbag that I really am. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, so, it's like, I'm not as bad as I used to be, but way worse than I am now. <laughs> so, you know, why it not? It just sounds great. I, I want to I get our picks of the week out of the way because there's a lot we have to talk about. And, um, you know, I, I don't want to forget to do them. Now, none of them are new because, unfortunately, the, the, there's two albums that released today that I wanted to listen to. Neither one of them came to my house today. They're both delayed. One I will have Tuesday. One I'll have in a couple weeks. So we'll we'll see what happens. So I picked an oldie that actually showed up to my house today. Um, I ordered on vinyl Motorhead's 1916. So I wanted to make that my pick of the week because I really like that album. Uh, you know, it's got a lot of tracks on it that are just awesome. I mean, let me put it this way: it's a Motorhead album. 
It's not going to change your mind about Motorhead. It's not going to reinvent your opinion about Motorhead. It's only going to reinforce but, what you already know. But, you know, really, no, no, no Motorhead album is going to do that. There's just, it's just an era thing. I mean, we, we've said that before, right? That, that whoever came up with the saying that Motorhead is like Saturday Night Live, your favorite era is what was when you were in high school. Um, I mean, there was the, there was the original era, then there was like the middle in between 80s era, and then there was the, you know, the Phil Campbell, you know, sucking off a cigar. <laughs> or sucking say, off a he, cigarette. When he's going off on that cigarette. When, he, when, he's, when he's going off on a cigarette. And Mickey D. Um, but. Well, this is when they were really, a four piece no, I, briefly, I, too. <laughs> right. Well, that's what I mean. Like, you have the, you have the old man, then you have that middle, and then. Um, I, I, they, I think they're cooler as a three piece, but that's just. I do too, actually. Yeah. But basically, I, it's like you know, filthy anvil, ta- uh, <laughs> filthy anvil Taylor, or what? Filthy but. anvil, <laughs> anvil, filthy anvil, cool. <laughs> filthy anvil. Hey, I, they they were not that bad, okay? <laughs> like they, no, no, no. But, no lips but looked like he Taylor. had showered recently. <laughs> they were, um, um, God, that guy was awesome. Again, watch his drums, and you go, why are they so far away from Why you? is he sitting, like, in a different room? <laughs> like, there's, It's so funny. It's like, why would you purposely sit that? I do, I used to be a drummer on stage, and, like, the, if you've ever played drums, you know you had a gig where your drums start drifting away from you. It just happens, man. It doesn't matter how much you think you've got them secure. They just start drifting. But he would do that on purpose. <laughs> I don't get it. I don't know, uh, but anyway. Um, so, nineteen sixteen. No, I, I, I. It's you know. Again, it's just. But the the song I really love off that. I think a lot of people love off that is definitely Ramones. R A M O N E S. R A M O N E S. Ramones. And then I think the title track nineteen sixteen is actually awesome as well. I mean, it's not typical rock and Motorhead. It's more of like no. a ballady feel. But I, you know, song. Lemmy really does some good like vocals in that song, so I, I dig that as well. I mean, the whole album is is a Motorhead album. If you like Motorhead, you're gonna like this album most likely. Um, you know, if you if you like this era of Motorhead. Um, but yeah, when I well, saw they were re-releasing it on vinyl, I definitely was like, oh yeah, like that and and Overnight Sensation, as as you know, as we've discussed on the show, are probably my two favorite Motorhead albums. You know, I love Bomber. Um, you know, I love uh, No Sleep Till Hammersmith. Um, you know, like the live album. Well, but it, it, but yeah, you know, those are my favorites. For, you know, for the most part. Well, first of all, on 1916, you got "I'm so bad, baby, I don't care." That song's awesome. <laughs> um, no, seriously, that song is awesome. It is. It is. Um, but um, like, I I like March or Die, but. I think half the reason I like March, March, uh, March or Die so much is because of Hellraiser. Hellraiser. Um, just, see ya. I just really like that song. Um, and the video is awesome. But the other record in that era that I really like is Sacrifice. That album is awesome. Dog Face Boy. He's got Dog Face Boy and Sacrifice and Sex and Death. That's a cool, that's a cool album too. Plus you got a plus you got a <laughs> A pecker tongue right up in your right up in your face, <laughs> like the most blatant pecker tongue is right up in your face. The most blatant pecker tongue, as opposed to a least blatant. If you don't, pecker and, tongue. and anyway, and anybody, and anybody who doesn't know what I'm talking about, look up the record "Sacrifice" by Motorhead, and look, and you will see a pecker tongue. Look at Snaggletooth's you know I mean? tongue. Yeah, Snaggletooth's tongue is a big old pecker, um, which is the opposite of. Um, 
a Vinny's pecker because his is um, uh, he has a minish schlander. <laughs> <laughs> um, hold on with it. <laughs> My favorite is my favorite thing uh, you ever said to him is that he was hung like a fly. <laughs> yeah, Vinny, you're hung like a fly. I told him that too. I know you did uh, repeatedly. Actually, I told one of his girlfriends that. <laughs> so I, I did. I was like, no, he's hung like a fly. Um, and what I just messaged you, I was serious about that. He told me that. Um, so, uh, but no, seriously, yeah, Sacrifice is great. I like 1916 a lot. Actually, I haven't listened to it in a long time. Um. I don't know why. I th I used to love that. Right? It was one of my favorite Motorhead records. That's yeah, I remember you really like Dogface Boy. Yeah, well, that Dogface Boy is on um, on Sacrifice. I love Sacrifice, but 1916 is is. Um, oh, I thought that's what you were talking about with Sacrifice. You you started yeah, no, talking no, no, about the schlong. Is, you started yeah. talking about the schlong on the cover of Sacrifice. Yeah, right. I, right, I didn't hear pecker, you switch albums talk. again. I don't. Yeah, I, I mean, Sacrifice might be. That and Overnight Sensation kind of they they go kind of side by side to me. I mean, they were a year apart. Um where they're both, you know, it, it kind of sounds like they were recorded on the same session kind of thing. You know, they're 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 real close to each other. Um, Sacrifice is flipping great, but Mart, um, no, nineteen sixteen was the other, and again, it's just because it was the nineties era of of Motorhead that I listened to the most. Which you know is kind of weird. I mean, I know that the reason I got into that era of Motorhead was because. It was in the in the mid '90s when I became a Motorhead fan, so that's what was, you know, around at the time. Yeah, you know, like Sacrifice. Sacrifice was the first one I got, and then when Overnight Sensation came out, I got that. I think. Um, but it's weird because you would think that the the Motorhead that I would that I would like would have been more like, you know. Bomber and Overkill, that 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 or Orgasmatron. Well, no, but I'm saying though the the more the the grittier, dirtier sounding, and I don't mean like scumbag, but I mean you know that the 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 the, the, the grittier sounding uh, Motorhead from the late '70s, early '80s um, it would really be more of my thing. Um, but again, in Motorhead, it's kind of whatever. Whatever years you were you were exposed to, but yeah, nineteen sixteen is a great record. I'm, I'm I'm glad it was your pick. I'm glad you got it on vinyl. It's such a cool album. Um, my pick of the week is, um, I think an underappreciated record, but I'm probably wrong. <laughs> probably wrong. Um, my pick of the week is Halloween's album, Master of the Rings. And so I, I've, I've been listening to a lot of Halloween, and the re reason being is they just got announced as the the fourth headliner at Vakken. Um, there are there there there's four headliners, you know, one for every night because Vakken used to be a three to, three days, now it's four. Um, and so Halloween's one of the headliners. I can't wait. You know, I'm a big Halloween fan. I've never seen them. So that's pretty exciting. And seeing him in Germany is especially cool. Um, well, anyway, so I started doing a re-listen of their discography. Because I just, it's been a long time. I haven't done that in a very long time. And it's, you know, Halloween's discography is interesting. I, and I think I mentioned this on the show before, but I have, like, looked up 
Because, you know, we've talked about this before, right? You look up what is a... What are, what are the rankings of a band? You know, we, we've done this before, you know? Like, if you want to listen to a band and you're like, oh, well, I don't know, they have 15 albums. You know, Overkill just put out their 20th record. If someone wanted to be like, oh, well, what Overkill should I listen to? Well, they've got 20 albums. You know, you're probably going to look it up like, what are the best Overkill records? I mean, I guess it would depend on who wrote it. Um, but there's a couple that you're probably going to see pop up. Um, it, it's just, it, it, it's just, you know, you, you might see taking over um, or under the influence or you very well might see horoscope. That was their big like commercial record. Um, but man, if you do that for Halloween, it's crazy. I would see 15 people posting their top five favorite Halloween albums in order. And none of them are none of them are similar. It's really weird that Halloween's discography, like every album has its own flavor in a way where I can see why one record would resonate with somebody and another record would resonate with somebody else. Um so Master of the Rings, it, I, I think it's a great record. I, I love it. It's the first album that Andy Duras sang on. That's when... So Michael Kiske left the band, and this is when they got Andy. Now, what's what's funny is there's a song on the record called Mr. Ego. It's a dedication to, Mike, to uh, Michael Kiske. Um, <laughs> Mr. Ego. But... First of all, the, the Andy Duras, and I don't mean to spend a million... Well, I do. I want to spend a little bit of time. Because I'm going to ask you a couple of questions, too. I'm going to spend a little bit of time talking about Halloween, because it's one of the things I wanted to get into tonight. Halloween is a is an interesting band because of... Admittedly, they've been a revolving door of musicians kind of band. They, they have, right? Um, when you go back and you look at them... Um, in the beginning, right? So go back to Walls of Jericho. All right, Walls of Jericho come out in 1985. It's a, you know, famous record. Um, Kai Hansen, who was a guitar player in Halloween, and then later um, when he, uh, uh, he, he later later left Halloween and started Gamma Ray and with Rolf Sheepers, who eventually sang in, um, uh, uh, yeah, uh, Primal Fear. He's the singer for Primal Fear. Um, anyway, so the band starts out, right? They put their first record out, Walls of Jericho. In case you're wondering, yes, that is where Chris Jericho got the name Chris Jericho. He was listening to Walls of Jericho and was like, hey, I should call, that's my name. And coincidentally, you know, his signature move was the Walls of Jericho. Fine. So anyway. Um, great record. But then you have Keeper of the Seven Keys Part One. And the thing about Keeper of the Seven Keys is Michael Kiske sings, sings on it. And I think he was 18. I think he was 18. He might have been 19. Point being, when... 
they hired Michael Kiske, he was super young. And if I remember the story right, he got he heard Walls of Jericho and was like, I just think their vocals are lacking. Kai Hansen's a cool singer, but you know, he's not Michael Kiske. Um so dude, Keeper of the Seven Keys shows up and oh my god, what a mind blowing record that was. Like the song Halloween, of course, is amazing. Um, um A Little Time. A little time. I love that song. Uh, um, um, I think um, uh, there, there's just a little time to build up our lives. I, God, that song's amazing. Um, so Keep It the Seven Keys Part 1 is great. If you want to hear how good of a singer he was, I always throw the record A Tale That Wasn't, uh, that wasn't Right out. That, that, the, the song A Tale That Wasn't Right, that is his vocal masterpiece on that record. Um, the Keeper of the Seven Keys Part 2. Okay, well, let me, let me ask you, Rex. Let me, let, me, let me throw this out. Do you like Keeper of the Seven Keys 1 or 2? I, I, like I know you know both, both records. I mean, I, I mean, if you had to pay, like, do you have a favorite? Yeah, probably one. Because these are, okay, so their biggest song they ever wrote is I Want Out, which is an amazing song. That's on Keep It The Seven Keys Part 2. Two. Yeah. Um, I was listening to, I never noticed how much Keep It The Seven Keys Part 2 is basically a Queensryche record. I don't know why I never noticed that, but I was listening to it and I was driving. And for a second, I thought I was listening to Queensryche. I know that sounds weird because Halloween and Queensryche are nothing alike, except for that record. It's really weird to me. I don't know why I never put two and two together before. Um, probably I wasn't thinking about it. I mean, I've listened to Keep It The Seven Keys Part Two a million times. But if you put that record with Rage For Order... Or the warning by Queensrÿche. They are freakishly similar. I mean, similar in like the way the songs are, the vocals, man. Michael's vocals. It's not that he sounds like Jeff Tate, but he approached the way he sang those songs so much like Jeff Tate. It's it's kind of creepy. Um, but I love I love Keeping the Seven Keys Part Two. Pink Bubbles Go Ape, which is a seriously stupid name with a really stupid album cover. I like the record. I think it's awesome. Uh, Heavy Metal Hamsters is on it, which I, I, can, I can never make up my mind if I think it's awesome or stupid. Hmm. Um, the song Heavy Metal Hamsters um, is on Pink Bubbles Go Ape. It's a great album, but Kai Hansen left and so here is the first, like, okay, you have Kai Hansen starts the band. Now he leaves. Um, this would have been when he went to do Gamma Ray. Um, by the way, if you've never heard the first Gamma Ray album, Gamma Ray album is called Heading for Tomorrow. Go listen to it. Rolf Sheepers, again, later, is the, he's the guy in Primal Fear. Um, that record, it's Kai Hansen and, and Rolf Sheepers, and it's mind-blowing how good it is. It's it's so good. Um, it, it's it's hard to believe how good that record is. A anyway, um, so so I think P Pink Bubbles Go Ape, despite the fact that it sounds stupid, I think it's a great album. 
The vocals on it are great. Cool. Chameleon shows up. Notoriously a terrible record. Um, then Master of the Rings comes out. Now, this is the reason I was giving you that background. And I don't mean to just monopolize this part of the conversation, but I know you have a lot of stuff you're going to talk about later. And we're, yeah, I won't, I don't feel so bad because I know you will shortly. So, Master of the Rings is the first album with Andy Duras on vocals. And what's interesting to me is the divide in fans of the band as to whether or not they're a firm Michael Kiske guy and don't like Andy at all, whether they're a firm Andy guy and don't like Michael Kiske. A lot of people I've seen say they never liked Andy Duras, but then when the... Because, you know, now they, both singers are in the band. Their last album they put out was with both singers, and it's really, really, really good. And it's crazy how they're two very different singers and how cool they work together. I mean, it's unbelievable how good they are singing together. It's kind of wacky because they're very different. Um, but what I, again, Master of the Rings is cool, in my opinion, because you've got this new singer. And, and dude, the first time you listen, like, like, like for you, if you've never heard Master of the Rings, if you listen to Keeper of the Seven Keys Part 1 and 2, then you listen to Master of the Rings, you're going to go, that's a different singer. He's a completely different singer. Like, a completely different singer. His voice is high. He can hit higher notes than Michael. And that sounds weird to say that. Michael had a really high singing voice. Andy's able to do, it's not screaming, but Andy's able to hit those just, I don't, I don't want to say Judas Priest because that's screaming, but think that. Think the difference between Jeff Tate and, and, and Rob Halford. It's that kind of thing where he's got, he can hit some soaring high notes, got a completely different tone to his voice. Um, I would dare say Andy's voice is more quote-unquote metal where Michael Kiske's voice was more, Operatic, I guess. I don't know. I don't even know if I'm saying this right. Um, but anyway, Andy carried the torch for that band for a long time. I think he's cool as hell. Um, the The album, The Time of the Oath, was the one after that. I got it on vinyl. That's actually um, a big record for me. I On our old radio show, I used to play, um, there's a song called Steel Tormentor. It's the second track of that. I used to play it on the on our radio show all the time. It, by the way, if I played it for you for five seconds, you'd recognize the song. If you don't know it off the top of your head, you would know you would recognize it instantly if I played it. Um, time of the Oath, I think, is one of the best records they ever put out. Like really, like I think there's Keepers one and two. It, the, the, it, this is right there with them. Um, I think it's maybe not Keepers one, but it's. Better than Pink Bubbles. I don't know. Point being, there's a couple of those Andy Duras records that I think are just incredible. And what's what's interesting is, I guess the reason I'm saying all this is they're a band who I really and honestly, true, and I say all the time, like, I'm a discography guy. I know I say that a lot. But I think there are some bands that 
taking the trip down their discography is worth your time. And and I, I really do think Halloween is one of those bands that it is really worth your time to to just listen to their discography. Like, really just give it a listen. Because there is there is great stuff in Halloween's discography that I think a lot of people miss out on. For example, the 2015 record, My God-Given Right, I have seen that listed by many people as their best album. And again, when you look at that, you're like, wait, no, no. Halloween did not put out a record in 2015 that is their best album. Like, there's no way. That's not even possible. This is a band who put out Keeper of the Seven Keys Part 1 and 2. This is not their best album. Then you listen to it and go, oh, oh, well, it's a different record. I mean, they don't, they're, it's not the same record. Um, but it's very, that album's very back to the roots. I don't know, man. Point being, I think Halloween is worth your time. And as much as I love those first two, verse three records, um, I just think giving some later Halloween, um, and by later, I mean literally like mid-90s to now, uh, giving it a chance is worth your time. If you want to check out Andy Duras, though, I don't think Master of the Rings is his best album. It's a great start when he joined the band. I think it's awesome. So anyway, that's my pick of the week, Master of the Rings um, by, um, by Halloween. Um, if you want to listen to Michael Kiske, clearly Keepers 1 and 2. And their most recent record has both vocalists on it, and it's way better than uh, it sounds like it would be. Um, so anyway, that's my that's my spiel about my pick of the week, um, which brings us into a heaping pile of stuff that we want to talk about. And I am going to let you start it off with something that you did last week that you want to talk about. Um, all right, so, um, last week I saw more, or actually it was this week I saw Morbid Angel. Um, I forgot it was, it was actually two days ago. So I saw Morbid Angel, Revocation, Vitriol, and Crypta at, in, in New York City, uh, Gramercy Theater. It was cool. Uh, it was a very good show. Um, I actually got to hang out and meet one of our listeners, Fernando, so, he bought me a couple of lemmies, much appreciated. Whenever we meet listeners, you know, drinks drinks are not required, but they certainly are appreciated. <laughs> you know, so um, so thanks a lot for that. He was cool to hang out with. We we actually managed to uh, to meet Crypta. Uh, they were hanging out at their merch table. They were very approachable, very very nice. And um, you know, I gotta say, um, you know, a lot of bands. You know, well, I'll talk about the show, then I'll talk about what happened, you know, during and after. So, you know, Crypta killed it. I mean, there was, I, I was talking to a few people in the crowd before, and some of them had heard of Crypta. Some of them had even heard the band, you know, heard the album or heard some songs. Some people had no idea who they were and hadn't heard of them yet. Um, you know, it's funny because when, when somebody says, Oh, I never heard of Crypta before, to me, that's like mind boggling because. Um, I'm thinking to myself, like, well, I, I've heard of them since before their first album, but then, you know, I forget. I was also a fan of Nervosa. Also. Well, but, and I was also a fan of Nervosa, so when they split and formed Crypta, it was right. it was a natural progression that I go and find find that band. So, you know, if you, if you had not been exposed to Nervosa or weren't familiar with them, you might not have easily found Crypta. Um, but I gotta, I gotta say, after they put on their show, 
um, a lot of people in the crowd were blown away. A lot of people in the crowd were were just like, wow. Um, just completely awed by them. Um, they they but, really. By the way, well, let me ask you a question about that. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious. I, I want your legitimate opinion on this. Mm-hmm. Do you think crypto is a legitimate? Like, do you think they're legitimately in the very small group of serious bands that are seriously about to blow up? Like a band that is seriously on a trajectory to get bigger quickly. I don't know about quickly. Um, I, I really or, or at do. Least, like what I'm saying is like, do you do you look at them as like one of the next like big or bigger bands? It's tough to say because, like I said, it's it's this. Uh, I will say this much: this tour did a lot for them. Um, if the reaction around uh, at all the other places was as positive as as it was in New York, I can say that this tour did a lot for them and introduced them to a lot of people. Um, a lot of people who are going to go out and listen to their record, um, you know, a lot. So I, I think it did positive things. Now, are they going to quote unquote blow up? I don't know. I mean, the, the problem with death metal that makes I don't it mean difficult. They're be the next five finger death punch. Yeah, I don't, is, I don't. I wouldn't go that far. Are um, they about to climb the ladder a few rungs? No. That, well, they put it this way. I can't see them doing another opening slot in a tour. In the United States, like you know, at least a death metal tour. Now, if they're touring with a bigger band, like if they hook up with like Cannibal Corpse or something, maybe you know what I mean. Like if they, if they, but like and another, you know, they, I think they're gonna climb up that rung. Let me put it this way: I, you know, but again, I'm biased. I can't believe they opened the show. Let me put it that way because look, and I'm not criticizing Vitriol. I had never heard of Vitriol. So, you know, people in the show were talking, oh, I love that band. They're so great. I'm obsessed with them. And I'm thinking to myself, I never heard of these guys. So, you know, it was kind of like two sides of the same coin. I'm thinking to myself, how have these people never heard of Crypta? And they're asking me, well, have you never heard of Vitriol? You know, and again, you know, I was talking to a dude in the in the audience and he's like, oh, I love Vitriol. They sound like Hate Eternal. Do you know who Hate Eternal is? And I'm like, yeah, I know who they are. And he goes, oh, I didn't mean to disrespect you or imply that you didn't know bands. And I was like... Dude, I was like, nobody knows every band. Like, I'm not going to get offended if you ask me if I've heard of a band. Right. So you have to have heard of Hate Eternal because if you play drums for them when you walk off the bus, you get a check for bus, When you walk out of the van, you get a check for thirty five bucks. <laughs> no, but I mean, you know, you know, go. But so to me, it was strange that like people were, oh, I'm obsessed with Vitriol, and I'm thinking to myself, like, I couldn't even read their logo two weeks ago. Um, I didn't know, I'd never heard of them. So. You know, are they going to blow up? I mean, are they going to blow up to be like a headliner in the next couple years? I would probably say no, but I certainly would be surprised. Again, unless they're touring with a big, uh, unless they're touring with a heavy duty um, group of bands. Like if they're if they're touring with Cannibal Corpse and Skeletal Remains and you know bigger and and Revocation. Yeah, okay, and that lineup they're going to be the opener, but. In the lineup that it was today, I would not be surprised if that was their that was their last opening slot, at least for that size of, of show. Um, well, so so let me unless I'm cutting off, let me let me say my thought on that too. Mm. Um, here, my inclination is if they're capable of moving forward. Clearly, we I don't want to go into this. They they had the the RV accident, blah 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 blah. RV incident, I guess, but wasn't an accident, it was an incident. But I realize that 
not being that being from Brazil and the money thing, blah 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 blah. I get it. That could get in the way, but um, they played Vakin last year, and because I'm going to Vakin, I I I, well, it's not a new thing. Like I've I've wanted to go to that show for 20 years, and I've always followed what goes on at Vakin shows, et cetera, et cetera. Crypto walked out of Vakin as one of the bands that people talked about. They went over very well at Vakin last year. I mean, really, they did. They were of the younger, more, you know, they played afternoon, like in the earlier slot bands. If you watch the, if you've, I'm assuming you've seen it, but if you have not watched Crypto's performance at Vakin, watch it. It is awesome. So they were a band that walked away. That that show did a lot for them. I think that show contributed to them getting this Morbid Angel slot. And I think, and I did not see the show, so that sucks. They're actually playing in Albany tonight. I... I I, I, I'm not into Morbid Angel enough to go. But anyway, um, just what I'm seeing from this, I think they they stole it at, at Vakin. That got them on the Morbid Angel tour. I'm willing to bet you when this tour ends, this tour did them a lot of favors. I mean, well, I'm willing to bet you they walk away from this show as the, oh, well, whoever the hell they were, they need to, you know what I mean? Like, I think Vakin was the stepping stone to a tour with Morbid Angel, and I think that opening slot with Morbid Angel is a ticket to whatever they do next. I have a feeling it's going to be a jump up. Yeah, well, they're going to really... And I have a couple of reasons for it. They, they Well, I was supposed to, they're, they're actually finished tracking a new album, so they're releasing Good. a new album in, in uh, imminently. Good. Because here's my thought. Let's look at the pros. They got a couple of things going for them. One, they're good musicians. All of them. Every member of that band is a good musician. Fernanda's a great bass player. I don't know if she's necessarily technical, but you watch her like, yeah, man, she's she's very good. Both of In their the guitar players. What's that? Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, a vocalist that plays bass, you're, I'm watching going, yeah, okay, you can play. Both of those guitar players are really good, and the drummer's really good. So number one, right out of the gate, they can hang with bands musically. And by the way, that's not a comment on them being female. It's a comment on them being a young band. You know, they're a young band who's seriously talented, but they're not, like, wanking the whole time. So, okay, number one, they're seriously talented. Number two, their their album is really good. It's really, Echoes of the Soul is really good. Well, that's the thing. Um, they're, they're, I think their next album is going to be a decider because if if they oh, I agree. if they hit a sophomore slump, I think that I, I wouldn't say that I think it's going to hurt them like to the point of where they can't recover. But if they have a sophomore slump album, I think that a lot of I think they'll lose some of the momentum they gain from these tours because right. people are going to listen to Echoes of this. Wow, this is awesome! And if they don't hit this next album out of the park, it's going to be a oh well. Uh, okay, yeah. you know, now I'm okay, you know, you know, maybe they weren't as good as I thought. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, now is their um 
they're 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 sitting they're about to hit their you know crap or get off the pot you know it, it's about to be if they play their cards right with their new album in the next year they're off to big things i i, I think so you know so again no, oh, i always gonna say real quick number one i'll get back to that in a second hold on number one they're seriously good musicians number two echoes of the soul is seriously a really good record and Again, I'm speaking objectively, and I say this because you were into Nervosa before I was. I like Nervosa a lot, but you're a way bigger Nervosa fan than I am. I think I'm a bigger Crypta fan than I am a Nervosa fan. No, I, I just I, like them. Well, there's there's actually something funny I have to say about that that goes into like what I wanted to go into next. Uh, um, so also, uh, well, we'll get to that real quick. The third thing I was, and then I, let me say this, and then come back to that. The third thing that I think they have going for them is. And we'll talk about this a little bit more later, but if you're a vocalist who plays an instrument, you got to do something. And I have I have very rarely seen a um, an instrument playing vocal vocalist in a whatever death metal band that can emote as well as she does, like. Facial expressions-wise, she's really entertaining to watch. She emotes very well, and I think she's great at it. I think the, the biggest con they have is you couldn't put them on a bigger slot right now because they only have one record. You know, they don't have enough of a... They, they would have to be... An, a, a, they'd have to be the opener. They don't have enough material. Um, so what are you doing on tour? The entire record. <laughs> the only one we have. Every song we know, you know. Um, so I think that's the only con. They, the only the only negative they've got for them. I don't think they have enough material. But I agree with you. If they if they hit the next record on the head, I'm I'm predicting this band's about to grow a lot. Yeah. Uh, so I'm not saying they're going to be the next stick of monster can in your ass band, but I'm saying I think they're going to grow. Yeah, they'll be big lot. in the death metal scene. I, you know, I can't see them. I can't see them being a stadium band or no, or, no, or an arena mean, band but, but they definitely will be you know the i could see them if if they stay on the trajectory they are i could see them being the caliber of something like morbid angel or something you know down the road or at least or at least they're the band that goes on tour with cannibal corpse and they're the band who plays before cannibal corpse right you know, not the opening band. I, right. I think so, they need more. They need more material. So that's nothing against them. It's, you, it's yeah. hard to do that on one record. So the other thing I want to talk about was, um, so again, um, yeah. After the show, they're hanging out at their merch table. I posted some pictures. You know, they're they're cool. Um, you know, but I, I got to say that you know the other, for, you can really tell that Fernanda drives this band, and the reason why I say that is because I, I briefly met her. I got photo bombed. But I briefly met her, uh, you know, I, I I don't understand. So I'm going to go off of that tangent real quick. I don't understand when you're taking a picture with somebody why people feel that they have the right to walk up behind you and insert themselves in your photo. And not like I'm walking past and I happen to get in your photo, but literally insert themselves in between oh. you and the other person when you are taking the photograph. Like the fat slob who who photo bombed my my picture with Paul Bosco. But, but that's what I mean. Like oh, I don't understand. I'm gonna sneak up and and then I'm gonna eat you. He's probably like, not alive anymore. Like, I don't mind making fun of him. God. But I'm saying like you know I don't understand that. But I, either way, so I got a quick photo. She was in a hurry. I didn't want to hold her up, obviously. But later on that night, she was actually hanging out in the merch room, just hanging out, 
talking to every single person that came up to her. And and when I say talking, I don't mean, hey, I'm a big fan. Thanks a lot. And then turn around and walk away. I mean, literally engaging in conversation with people like she was any other fan at the show. Well, and she is. Well, well, right. But I'm saying like, you know, at that point when you're in a band, me standing there is not going to not going to gain the amount of attention as someone in one of the bands standing there is my point. No, yes, she but, is obviously what a I'm fan. Saying is like, I mean, if you're if you're a metal fan to the point where I, I look, I I have said that, I don't, and look, I, I I say this about Sonia Anubis. I say this about her too. Uh, she's one of us, and what I mean by one of us is, I mean she's one of us. She's a huge, huge, huge heavy metal fan. But she's got King Diamond's portrait tattooed on her damn thigh. Here, really quickly, what I think is. I think you and I talk about how we do this show because this show was based off of a conversation with someone else in a heavy metal t-shirt. Like, what would you talk about and how we love doing that? Man, I'm willing to bet you she's just soaking up the awesome. Right, but my point is, like, you know, normally the bands hide. And the bands don't hide because they don't like to interact with the fans. The bands hide because you're standing in a room full of people and everybody's trying to get a piece of you. You know what I mean? And and I'm sure – And I'm, look, I'll be honest here and again – I'll be honest with you. It's probably even worse for Krypta because they are females. You're in a room full of mostly dudes and you're the only females there and you're cool. You're, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not saying you're at risk. What I'm saying, you know, I'm not saying it's dangerous or anything. I'm saying like, you're going to get attention. You know what I mean? Right. Like you're in a room full of dudes. You're cool. You're a metalhead. You're in one of the bands. You're going to get attention. And by the way, I'm not saying that's why they got attention. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying... So more than most, she probably would have a reason to say, I'm going and sitting in the bus and relaxing. Plus, you just you and I know what it is, and we never played venues that size. Well, we did a couple times, but you know, when you get off stage, like you kind of do just want to just you know what I mean? Especially when you're doing a, a show every night. But dude, she was standing in the merch room, shaking every person's hand, having conversations with people. Like literally, I walked up to her and all I wanted to say was, Hey, I, you know, great show. I'm sorry to hear about the RV situation. I'm glad she like stood there and talked to me for a few minutes. And again, it was like, she wasn't like, cool. Thanks. Got to turn around and talk to this person. Got to. I even told her, I'm like, you know, I was, I'm happy. I finally got to like see crypta because I was like, you know, I was originally supposed to see nervosa when you guys were coming to New York city. And she goes right when we were supposed to open for amorphous right before the pandemic and it got canceled. I'm like, yeah, I had tickets and I couldn't go. She's like, Oh yeah. Like, I mean, there was like a genuine conversation like you and I would have, you know what I mean? Um, and the funny thing was, I was like, yeah, so now at least I got to see you in a different band. And I said, you know, and I said, like, it's a different band, but it's, you know, I said, and I said, well, don't tell anybody, but I think I may like, uh, and she, I, you know, I kind of put my hand over my mouth and I was like, I think I kind of may like crypto more than Nervosa. And she started laughing and she goes, yeah, I won't say anything. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, it's that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? And then, you know, it, it's so the, the whole point in me saying this is because, you and I always talk about George, George Corpse Grinder Fisher, and what a cool person he was just to hang out with and talk to. Like, he's a normal person. He's, like you said, one of us. So I have rooted for that guy since that show. And, I, you know, obviously I'm a fan and I rooted for him, you know, of course, before that. But ever since you and I met him, and he was just the most genuine, nice, kind, approachable person you have ever seen in your life, I have rooted for that guy. 
in every single thing he does. He asked for money to put out an album. I gave him money to put out that album. I donated to his like GoFundMe thing or whatever it was. Like I bought his album. I pre-ordered his album as soon as I was able to. And that's kind of how at this point I feel about Crypta. Like, you know, you meet a genuine, kind person who you know is one of us, so to speak, who really does appreciate the fans and who really does like genuinely try to interact with people and, 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 you know, enjoys it and just soaks it up and just like loves it. And, you know, you, you just can't help. And that's, that's the whole point. I'm saying this, you can't help, but root for somebody like that. You can't help, but say, dude, I hope someday you're the headliner tonight. Like, I hope someday I come back here and I can't get to meet you again because you're so freaking popular and you're so freaking big. It you just could not walk into this room without being completely mobbed. Well, you know, I find, and again, you you were well. They, they've only been around for a couple of years, but um, well, but I, she's I know you been around for a long time. No, 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 no. I know. Um, she's got, and even just watching, like. She strikes me as the kind of person that would be hard not to like. Well, no, and that's what I mean. Like, she's she, has, a genuine... she has a very strong. I mean, even just online, I don't. She's. I mean, I know a lot of people smile pretty for the camera, but she's got a pretty infectious ha- happiness no, about her. And I can that tell comes you, across even just on Instagram, and, and I can tell you, stage, like, again, I've watched enough videos. Like meeting her in person, like it's it, she's a genuinely kind person like you can't like there's something like you can't fake that you know what i mean like when you're interacting with that many people if you're genuinely like annoyed that you have to be there or oh i got it my i'm supposed to you you can tell it comes across like when you when when i met dave mustaine he came out and signed the autographs which was nice of him but you could tell he was just like i just want to get through this line so they leave me alone you know that wasn't like that you know and same with when we met corpse grinder at no point, you know, he was hanging out with everybody after the show outside of his bus. At no point was he just like, okay, guys, go away, go away. And look, by the way, I am in no way, shape, or form implying that bands are required to do that. Bands don't owe fans anything after the show is over. It's great when they come out and talk to fans. It's great when they sign autographs. Fans aren't owed that, in my opinion. But, you know, when, but so what, you know, what I'm trying to say is when someone does do that and who does like really genuinely show interest, you can't help but say, you know, and, and genuinely seems like a good, kind person. And I'm not saying this in a weird, like pervert way, like, oh, yeah, I hope she succeeds. <laughs> I mean, if, if she was a dude, I'd be saying the same damn thing. Like, I'm not saying it because, oh, she's a female and I hope she succeeds. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm not saying that. I'm saying if I had that interaction, if I had, if I was watching, you know, I was standing in the room, like looking at t-shirts and stuff like that. So it's not like I was, you know, it's not like I, I was like, oh, my interaction was good and everybody else's was bad. It, but like genuinely, like, you know, it's just one of those things where, you know, like I said, when you met Corpse Grinder, he was just like a cool dude. And, you know, Fernando was just a cool person. Like she was just I like, I, I'm like, I like I told you, I'm like. Dude, I would love to hang out with her and go get a, go get like a coffee. Not because I'd be like, "Hey, you want to go get a coffee?" No, because I'd love to hear about her record collection. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, right. Like she has a giant record collection. I have a giant record collection. I wouldn't even say like, "What are you doing later?" I'd be like, "Dude, you have this copy of this album?" Like, "Oh, what do, what's in your collection?" Like, "What's the rarest album you have?" Like, "What's your favorite vinyl?" Like, "What means the most to you?" Like, that's the kind of stuff I would love to ask. You know what I mean? Um so yeah, it, you know, it almost does disappoint me a little bit that I didn't 
take the steps to like try to get an interview because I bet she's a great interview. Like, and, and you know, I don't mean, you know, I bet she probably is a fun interview. Like, just like, again, like you ask those stupid questions, like what's your favorite vinyl in your record collection? You know what I mean? Like those stupid questions. So I don't know. Hopefully we get a chance. Uh, I really do. I recommend like, even if they're on an opening slot, um, I recommend you go see them because they put on a hell of a show. I, I would say, in my opinion, and some people might kill me for this, I think they blew Vitriol off the stage. Um, you know, Vitriol, I'm not into them as much. I'm not saying they suck. So if you're a big fan of them, don't, you know, come after me saying oh, whatever. I just, I, I found Crypta to be a little bit more approachable. And I, I don't mean like personally, I mean musically, I found them to be a little bit more approachable. Um, you know, I think that they did a great show. Now, going on, you know, about the show, you know, again, Vitriol, I kind of, you know, they were, they did good. Like, let me put it this way. They're talented musicians. They're, they're insane. You know, they, they remind, I, I called them like, I, I shouldn't say this cause it's going to sound like I'm making fun of them, but I called them great value cryptopsy. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? Like, um, Meaning, you know, they're they're doing a lot of technical stuff. The problem I have with some of those bands is when you're when everybody in the band is doing super technical stuff, a lot of times you don't hear it. You know what I mean? If everybody's tapping on their fretboards and doing this like super fast trem picking and stuff, while while the while one guitarist is tapping, the other guitarist is trem picking chords and the bass players like slap and the drummers hitting blast beats. It's just like there's so much going on that it all just sounds like, you know what I mean? So, you yeah, know, again, go ahead. No, 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 no. I, 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 I agree. And you know, it's a, I, I, well, I, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to comment because I, I want to get into the, let, let me, let me save my, my points on this for when we push into the other part of this conversation okay we're, we're going to talk about live performances in general let me just hold back until we get to that so and i was going to say you know talking about revocation i was excited and super disappointed at the same time to see revocation so i'm standing in the crowd i'm thinking to myself oh man i i've wanted to see revocation for years now i i i, I mean admittedly i was late to the party with them i got in on the outer ones album um, since then I've gone back through their discography, but nether heaven was album of the year for me. Um, it was the album I could, it's to this day, I can't stop listening to it. Um, it's just one of those albums where I like, if it comes on, if, if I put it on, it's, I can't get rid of it. Um, can't turn it off. I, I even bought the tab book. And if you've ever seen Dave, Dave Davidson play guitar, you know that me buying that tab book was literally the biggest act of masochism I have ever done in my entire life. Um, I sat there like the other night and I had the tab book open and I had my my actually ironically my Dave Davidson seven string signature and my little uh, spark amp and I'm sitting there playing and I'm just going through the book like playing the riffs that I know and then. I, I must have played a few of those riffs, just getting them under my fingers like dozens and dozens of times, just because part of the part of the joy of buying something like that or trying to play that type of music is that type of death metal is not normally what I play. I play like the obituary, like eaten back to lifestyle of like old school meat and potatoes death metal, the super technical stuff and like the, the trem picking and all this stuff. It's not what I normally play. And you don't find a lot of tabs and tab books for it. So it's it's so I'm happy I found I, I bought this one to kind of, you know, uh, I bought this one from their merch table 
to kind of, uh, you know, try and, and broaden my horizons a little bit and get used to those styles. But my point of being disappointed, the reason why I was disappointed was I'm standing in the crowd. I see a guy get up on stage and I'm like, wow, that guy looks just like Dave Davidson, except for the huge cast on his arm. And then I'm like, oh, my God, that is Dave Davidson. He broke his wrist like two days before the show I saw. He fell on stage. Now, look, again, I'm not going to sit here and say like, oh, idiot broke his wrist and ruined my experience. Of course, I'm going to say like, dude, I feel bad for him because as a guitar player and, and not even a professional touring guitar player, but as a guitar player, if I broke my wrist, I would probably feel like my life was over. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, well, your sex your, life would be over. Well, I was going to say your wrist probably couldn't be broken. If you fell on the sidewalk, the sidewalk would probably break. <laughs> If it was my right wrist, yeah, absolutely. Your right wrist would just be like Superman punching a safe. Um, <laughs> um, so, yeah, Revocation, unfortunately, I did not get to see Dave Davidson play guitar, which was actually, I'd probably say, 50% of the reason why, or I would say 25% of the reason why I went was to see Dave Davidson play guitar. 50% was Crypta. 25% was to see Revocation. 25% was to see Dave Davidson play guitar in Revocation. So I was disappointed, but, I, I, you know, I, you can't help it. It wasn't his fault. It's not like he, you know, broke his wrist on purpose. So they still put on a great show. Um, their guitar player reminded me a lot of you. He had a giant mustache. Even though you don't have a giant mustache, I think you would if you were in a touring band. And he was wearing just brown cowboy boots and was like, you know, just like the most metal dude ever. He looked like the kind of, you know, we always joke about how Alex Webster probably gets off stage and goes and puts on like Stu Ham albums and, and old Iron Maiden albums. Um, this guy looked like he was going to walk off stage and listen to the Doobie Brothers. <laughs> dude, dude, he's got to be a he's got to be a Stu Ham fan. Yeah, got to be a Stu Ham fan. Sorry, no, but, not to go off on that one, but yeah, but no. So, anyway, you're a bass player and you're not a Stu Ham fan. There's a problem. Well, right. So, but like saying you don't like Victor Wooten, come on. Well, man. yeah, but anyway, so like you know, so Revocation. Although Dave didn't play guitar, and he was mad, um, he was really annoyed. Like he was, he's saying this is the part I'd normally play, except I can't play guitar. And he was literally, you could hear, he was like angry because, and again, as a guitar player. Dude, if I broke my wrist and you told me I couldn't play guitar for six months, I would literally probably jump in front of a truck. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I love playing guitar that much. It's what I do to occupy my time. Um, so, you know, that was that, that was disappointing, but they still put on a great show. Dave sounded great. The band sounded great. Um, and, uh, you know, Morbid Angel, I, I've been very clear about this before. I am not a giant Morbid Angel fan. Love Altars of Madness. Love Blessed Are the Sick. Covenant, I probably like maybe 25% of the album. And again, I'm not saying it sucks. I'm just saying it's not my thing. We've said that on the show a thousand times. You will never hear us say, seriously, a band sucks. Now, we may bust balls like, you know, Duff will tell me, like, Ghost sucks and everything, you know, and I'll tell him, like, you know, you make fun of Winger and stuff like that, but... You know, everybody has different tastes, and that's cool. That's what makes us great as metalheads. That's what, you know, separates us, and that's why every band has a chance to flourish. So I'll be honest with you. I watched probably 75% of Morbid Angel's set and then went downstairs, and that's where, you know, I met up again. Um, the first time I met up with one of our, our with our listener, Fernando, was I was standing in the pit. He found me. He found my battle vest. Uh, if you ever had a show in New York City and you hear that we're going through the show, just look for the giant anthrax uh, judge death patch on the back of my battle vest, and you'll find me. 
Um, and then later on, I found him again downstairs and, you know, where crypto was hanging out and stuff. So we had another drink, took some pictures and I again posted, I posted those on our Instagram and, uh, you know, you, the cool thing about Gramercy theater is you can actually have TV set up in the downstairs area where they sell the merch. So you can actually still watch the show, even if you're sitting like at the bar or in the merch area. Um, so you, so like, you know, if you walk out of like the live actual stage show, you can still actually see the band play. Um, now I will say this morbid angel put on a cool show. Um, you know, if you're a big morbid angel fan, you would not have been disappointed. It's just, again, after the covenant album, you know, I know dominion, everybody loves that album and stuff, but you know, again, it's the morbid angel style. I saw them play where the slime live, meaning I saw the song off of that record that I wanted to see. Um, so that's all that matters. Well, that's just, I, I, they put, they, I heard God of emptiness, which they put in the middle of their set and I'm like. I'm good because I mean I love that I dude I love that riff the burn burn the, like the part the let your children come to me like the part the riff under that riff the burn 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 I love that riff, um, but anyway it's such so, a Trey riff too yeah no but yo know, what's really cool too is we know their tech um their tech oh, yeah, Sonny Lombardozzi yeah Sonny Lombardozzi he played uh, not played with our band like he wasn't in our band but he 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 was in incantation for a while and uh you know he, he we opened for incantation once our old band um his his independent band like his original band opened for us a couple times um I didn't get a chance to say anything to him because I, I doubt he would even remember me after 20 years but um, and I, I didn't want to be like, I, I, I always hate doing that too. Like, Hey, you haven't seen me in 20 years and I see you're doing something cool. You know, cause I, I, I hate approaching people like that because the first, the first thing people, at least in my mind, the first thing people assume is I'm going to ask, can you get me backstage? And that I wouldn't have ever done that because I'm not that kind of a douchebag, but it was cool to see either way. It was cool to see him up on stage. Like, you know, I, I saw him peek out a couple times and help, uh, Help their guitars switch guitars, you know, fix microphones and stuff. It was just cool to see somebody you know or somebody you knew way back in the day, like up there with one of those bands. Because yeah. um, I haven't seen a, him since he played with guitar player, by the way. So. What's that? But, yeah, I didn't mean to catch up. Sonny is a brilliant guitar player. If you've never seen him play, um, he can do the Michelangelo Badio thing with the dual guitars. I've, yeah. I've, I have personally seen him do it. Yeah, we have, um, yeah. No, he, yeah, he's a he's a brilliant guitar player and a seriously nice guy. Yeah. I I I always like Sonny. I always got along really well with him. Um, I, we used to, dude, we used to hang out and drink beers at at shows and bar. I I I I really like the guy, man. I'm just happy as crap that he's out doing it. Um, yeah, I'm so, glad anyway, he was out there being able to tour with Morbid Angel. Like I said, it was cool to see him out there. Um, but yeah, you know, again, Morbid Angel, not my scene, um, as much. But, uh, you know, I mean, whatever. They still put on a great show. The crowd was really loving them. Um, so, yeah, but overall, it was a cool show. Got to hang with a listener, got to meet Crypta, got to, you know, I, the only thing, the only downer about it was, you know, Dave Davidson's arm. But, dude, seriously, this, tell me that this tour is not cursed. They had a tornado, somebody died, a whole bunch of people were injured. Crypta's, like, touring vehicle got crushed literally crushed like a tin can dave davidson broke his wrist like what else could go wrong on this tour you know what i mean like this has got to be the tour from hell for these bands so i don't yeah it's a um god it's a crazy show man it's a crazy tour i don't it's still going that's cool well, you know, 
and God, you know, you mentioned how Dave in Revocation broke his arm. He just, and I know you have one, but just got a signature guitar put out. This is a big tour for them. Talk about that, too. He was like, I mean, you were talking about how horrible it would be to be a guitar player, but on the other hand, it's like, dude, your band that you front and play guitar and you're the main is guitar on a player. big tour and you can't do it. Well, that's the thing. Their, their second guitar player, he's not in the band. Like, he's not, like, on the albums. He's not pictured on the albums. He's a dude they hire to, to like, you know, because he, he does, um, he does, because uh, uh, Dave overlaps guitars. Like, he does a lot of the trem picking over, like, a heavier riff. So th that makes sense when he, um, when he, uh, 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 you know, he, it makes sense. It thickens up their sound live. Because if he was doing it by himself, it would sound like something was missing. And trust me when I say... Unfortunately, because he wasn't playing, it did sound like something was missing. Um, Which but, is another point I want to talk about. We'll get back to that too. Yeah, but either way, you know, you know, it, it was still a, it was a great show. Um, I'm so happy I went. Um, getting into the city sometimes is a pain for me. Uh, it's just you know a bus ride, and then you got to worry about getting home at the end of the night. Um, but yeah, it's. It was a great show. Um, you know, I, the only reason I kind of wanted to go over this show, normally we're just like, hey, I saw this band this week. The only reason I kind of wanted to punch by punch go by this show was because, first of all, Crypta, again, like, I, I, I really, again, you can't help but meet somebody who's that, like, genuine and not really root for them. So if you haven't listened to Echoes of the Soul by Crypta, I, I implore you. If you don't like it, that's cool, but give it a shot. Um, Cowley is one of my favorite songs. Uh, From the Ashes is one of my favorite songs. Uh, 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 Starvation is one of my favorites. Like, th like th those songs are just, like, super cool. Like, Callie, yeah. that, that actually, okay, they, if I was disappointed in one thing with Crypta, and this is a personal disappointment, is that they didn't play Kali. I just love that. They, I, I sent you that. That's the song I sent you a while back, and I was like, right. dude, doesn't this sound like something I would write? Did they end with From the Ashes because they did it yeah. rocking? That's their okay. big song. Yeah, that's From that, the that Ashes was... So Oh, I know. That's that, that I love that, that song. That is riff. legitimately catchy. It's legitimately oh, yeah. will get stuck in your head despite it being pretty brutal. Yeah, bursting it's a great song. flames now. If you want, if you want my my uh, my other opinion on Crypta, they could hang their career on that song. I'm serious. Uh. It's a damn good song. My favorite, my favorite song on the album is still Kali. I just love that. Burn, I, burn, burn, burn. that I, that's the thing. That's actually, yes. you know, what you just said is actually what really separates that album. A lot of people were saying, dude, it reminds me of like old school death. It reminds me a lot of, and they were like listing all these bands. And I'm thinking to myself, the thing is, they've done what a lot of the old school death metal bands were able to do. And that's. They still were heavy. They still were brutal, but they put hooks in their music. Well, like, they wrote songs. A lot. Yeah, well, but the, that's the thing. Like, they're not playing, like I said, like like a band like Vitriol. Again, I'm not crapping on Vitriol, but I dare you to try and hum any one of their songs. You won't be able to do it. You're just going to well, go. We, no, you're not. You you know, you can say that's my favorite song. Tell me what it sounds like. And you're gonna be like, well, there's just part and it's like. No, you could say, what is, what is, uh. 
What is what is from the ashes sound like? It's all oh, this really cool part. And it's like, and you hear that, and that's going to be stuck in your head the rest of the day. They have well, hooks I, in their music. I would I would tell you that you could go through my music library, whether it be my vinyl collection or my iTunes library, which is very large. And I would tell you count how many bands on there. You could tell me have no melody in their music. There's a few. Napalm Death is not really a band loaded with melody. It's more just, admittedly, it's just noise. They've always just kind of been noise. They've got some songs with some catchy vocal hooks. They've got some songs with a couple of guitarists. Half the time it's noise. I listen to that band because I find Barney entertaining. That's it. All right? But I would like to say that the vast majority of bands I listen to, whether it be super heavy or not, there's melody there. There, there is. There's, or there's songs. Dream Theater. There's a reason I love 90s Dream Theater and don't like modern Dream Theater. It's not that their songs don't have melody. It's that their songs are just too much now. Listen to Pull Me Under. Yeah, it's eight minutes long and super complicated, but holy crap. It'll get stuck. The whole Images and Words record will get stuck in your head. The entire Awake, uh, most of the Awake album will get stuck in your head. You know, Change of Seasons will get stuck in your head. You know, I don't care what, which direction you go in. The vast majority of metal that I listen to has some melody, has some hooks, and have some songs. Well, and you've, you've said about me a thousand times that I am a very riff-driven person, meaning I like cool riffs. To me, again, to me... I'm not trying to crap on your favorite band, so nobody starts sending us hate messages like, oh, you guys suck and you don't know what you're talking about. To me, I would rather listen to a riff that's got some that's got three power chords that are put in the right order than to listen to somebody go up and down the fretboard, tremolo picking as fast as they can, throwing and tapping every once in a while. That's me. If you like like technical death metal or brutal death metal or whatever, you know, subgenre, that's cool. But you know, to me, what sells an album, what makes a band big, that, that goes beyond big in terms of, wow, those guys are cool. Because there's a difference between being cool and being marketable. You can be a cool band that everybody, you know, that, that's a, such a cool band. But, you know, you're, you're, their appeal is only going to go so far. A band that has hooks in their music, and for those of you who don't know what the term hooks mean, I, I, I guarantee most do, but you know what? I, I'd rather not leave anything to chance. Um... It's that part of the song that gets stuck in your head. So whenever you like are listening to the radio, if anybody still listens to the radio, and they play like, oh, coming up next is this song, and they play that part of the song that's going to get stuck in your head, that's the hook. So when I say Crypta has hooks, meaning there are riffs in those songs that you're going to be like thinking about all day. Like, And it's funny because they, they have this, I think it's Starvation they have the song. Oh, what is it, Starvation? Um, or no, it's Possessed. It's Possessed, sorry possessed where it's just the drums going and it and and uh and fernanda singing but even that is catchy because it's a blast beat but just the way the riffs are it's it's catchy you know it's not just a constant blast beat with how fast can i pick 70 notes and again some people like that and that's cool that's your thing i respect that there there are and and see i you're a i What's interesting is we have a lot in common, but from different. We kind of we approach. 
there's a lot of bands in the middle that we both really like. And at, at the conclusion ends up being we like the same things about it, but we kind of go about it a different way. I mean, I know for you, it's all about like catchy riff. For me, my appeal, I always say musicality, but I don't mean that to mean technical. Musicality could be, you know, uh, I don't know, Leslie West from Mountain. Dude, it's me. There, there, oh, you just like him because he's fat. Well, I do like him because he was fat. But and and I, I and by the way, I say that he's fat in an endearing way. His band, his band's name was Mountain. The guy was huge. Um, but my, I don't know why that's the one I thought of. But it doesn't have to be. And in fact, in a little while, I'm going to talk about one of my favorite artists of all time. But the things that I get really attracted to our musicality which at the end of the day isn't all that different from you like the riff i mean it's it's the musical part of it i guess and i don't it doesn't i don't mean technical sometimes it's technical sometimes it's not it depends um dynamics are a big one for me and at the end of the day they are for you too because again when you talk about those big catchy riffs there's dynamics to it Dynamics are what makes it hard for me to listen to. Hey, you mentioned Hate Eternal earlier. That's an amazing band, but I'll tell you why I don't listen to them very often. Or uh, you mentioned Vitriol or bands that are a wall of sound. I get the appeal, man. I get the appeal. I like Dynamics. And when it is a solid, well, okay, let me let me give you an example. You talked about Morbid Angel. I like Morbid Angel. I don't. I don't even know if I'm a casual fan of Morbid Angel. I'll say I like them. I had an interview with them that was on their website for like 20 years. Yeah, we were both there. we were both on the Lava Report. I hope I and I really hope my interview is not still there. I used to. I, I briefly played in a band with one of their original drummers. Like, I get it. Cool. But here's my problem. But Morbid Angel, and I watched some videos of it. Here's my problem with Mor my musical problem with Morbid Angel. The drumming. And I told you, I said, you could watch Morbid Angel for an hour. And you hear the... That's the bass drum the whole show. And it just doesn't stop. And I'm going... Why? There is no dynamic to the drumming. There's no dynamic to a guitar if it's literally just -na 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 -na, the whole show. Like you mentioned tremolo picking, you know. -na 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 if that's all you're doing the whole show and it never starts or stops and there's no buildup, it's like, you know... There is supposed to be a... <laughs> we'll be pervy. There's supposed to be a climax. I guess it, it's, like go, it's like going on Pornhub and watching a compilation of 500 facials. It gets boring after about three of them. <laughs> I mean, like, I'm not being stupid. I mean, I'm, I'm giving you a silly, pervy way to describe it. But what I'm saying is there has to be some... There has to be some ups and downs and some dynamics. you got to build a little bit. And there has to be peaks and valleys and you have to have that stuff um 
which is why that wall of sound and I say this all the time it's why my thing with blast beats I don't have a problem with blast beats I have a problem when it's the whole song is just a damn blast beat with the Nile the the George if you ever listen to a Nile song George Callias does a on the toms it's a little it's a uh um it's just a double stroke roll is all it is between the the snare and the toms and then it's back to the blast beat again I'm going I'm bored in 30 seconds again I'm not trashing Nile I've seen him multiple times live I think Carl Sanders is amazing He's a great riff. He's actually a great riff writer, despite the fact that Niall can come off that way. When Dallas Toller Wade was in that band, I thought he was super entertaining. I'd like Niall. They're just the first band I thought of. But even Niall, like, okay, actually, I'll give you an example. Look at Niall. Look at the song Black Seeds of Vengeance. That is not a wall of sound. That song is awesome. That song, I mean, you know that song Black Seeds of Vengeance. It's, it's awesome. We used to play that on the radio all the time. Why is that song awesome? Because it's not a wall of sound the whole way through. You know? Yeah, the ending, the black right. seeds of vengeance. And that's that's actually that is that drumming is before George Kalias joined the band. That's Derek Roddy, the guy who made 35 bucks playing in Hate Eternal. <laughs> um, I love how all roads like, lead to Derek Roddy making 35 bucks. <laughs> and 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 touring in a van, by the way, touring Down by in a the minivan, river. by the way. Eric Rutan owns a minivan, and that's what they toured in. But um, <laughs> I love how seriously we—you've tied almost everything we've talked to into him making thirty-five bucks. What's funny? It was it was like five hundred, but for some reason, when I said it first, it was thirty-five, and that's way funnier. Still, five hundred for like six months of touring—that's like ten bucks a month, right? Know, like, and for the like record, Derek, if you're. Derek, if you're listening, I say this as a mega fan of yours, um, like a mega fan of yours. When I heard Black Seeds of Vengeance, I didn't even know it was you at the time. When I heard Black Seeds of Vengeance, I was like, oh, my God, this is awesome. Um, big fan of Derek Roddy. I've followed his career for well over 20 years. But anyway, um, so, yeah, that's my point. Like, you like those big riffs. I like the dynamics of it. And those two, they cross. Because a lot of the reason why those big hooks is because there's a punch to it. There's a, you know, look, look at, um, do you know, a death metal band that's great at all of this is Bolt Thrower. Dude, Bolt Thrower is heavy as hell. Dude, listen to a Bolt Thrower. I mean, seriously, like, in the world of you love death metal bands with big damn catchy hooks, honestly, tell me if I'm wrong right now. Call me on it. It's kind of hard to beat Bolt Thrower and Carcass. Like, that band can catchy riff. They can out-catchy riff most death metal. Like, really, they can. Across the board, line up every death metal band, say, where's your catchy riffs on your record? And Bolt Thrower and Carcass are really hard to beat. Really hard to beat. Um, but that being said, the other half of the equation is... The other thing I gravitate to, admittedly, you can tell by a lot of the music I listen to, I am a drummer, so there are plenty of bands I like because of the drummer, but where your first point of contact with a band is a guitar riff, mine tends to be the vocals. I like, I like vocalists, yes. I listen to a lot of death metal, 
Yes, I listen to thrash metal. That's a small part of what I listen to. But across the board, 99% of the time, I either like the vocal, I either like the band and I think the vocalist is okay, or the vocalist is a big draw for me. Hell, I just got done talking about, you know, Halloween and about vocalists. Which is, and I've said this before, one of the reasons I don't like punk music in general is for you, you're like, yeah, whatever, the vocals has got a cool riff. I'm like, I can't listen to these vocals. It ruins a song for me if I don't like the vocals. I know I'm a drummer, but I'm, I was always a drummer, yes, but I, 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 I'm more of a singer than anything else. I don't sing a lot. I'm not even saying I'm very good at it, but even when I play drums, I kind of approached it that way. So singing is a big thing for me, but take that, take, you know, take Krypta, for example. Now she is not singing. Well, sure. Who cares? Listen to the vocals in From the Ashes. She destroys, like she just straight up, what do you want to say? She slays it. No, seriously, she just, she straight up kicks ass on that song. Her vocals on that song kick ass. And damn it if there's not a dynamic to it. It is not, ooh, the whole way through it. There isn't. It's not. It can't be. I say this all the time, man. There's a reason why there's death metal bands I don't like. When the vocals are literally just, ooh, ooh. Oh, the whole way through it, I, I'm so bored. You know what? Corpse Grinder doesn't, he only hits one note anymore. It's one note every song. <laughs> you know? And it's cool, man. But because there's at least something there. Anyway, I didn't mean to go off on a tangent either, but. Um, and again, I'm not putting down anybody. I'm not. Except for Eddie Trunk and, you know, Carl Logan. I really don't mean it. When I butt or when I break balls, but uh, um, yeah, there's got to be something. There's got to be. Well, it's like you know, um, Eddie Murphy said, you know, <clears throat> you 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 can't just walk out on stage and curse. You got to put a joke in between the cursing. You you have to. Anyway, anyway, that that's just sorry about my tangent, but that that's how I feel, and one of the reasons why I like Krypta, um, and I like them, and I love that. I, honestly, this re their record Echoes of the Soul was almost my pick of the week. Because I did, a, it, you were talking about them, and I was like, man, I'd listen to it in a little bit. And it's, God, it's good. It's just good. It's got everything you could ask for. Yep. So, I mean, that that was pretty much my recap of the, uh, um, that was pretty much our recap of the show. Again, you know, it was a great show. If you if the tour has not come through your area yet and you get a chance, I recommend you go. Um, it's been a lot of fun. And, you know, it was my first so I saw Anvil at a bar, you know, last week, but this was my first real, like, real show back. Like, Anvil was, you know, a small show in a bar. This was my first real show back since the pandemic, and uh, I've got tickets now to to uh, 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 Misfits. I've got tickets to go see Imani Marth with Ghost. Um, I got tickets we'll, we'll to something we'll talk about later. Yep. And, um, you know, so you have a, you actually have a couple notes here. Um, on the show list uh, topic. So I, I don't know what you want to go into next. You have something written well, down that I don't know about. It's called Heaviest no, Riff yeah. or whatever. But so um, so there there. Let me let me come back to um. Okay, we 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 wrote one, and we you, you've got a little note about kayfabe. Maybe we can talk about that separately. But there's also something that you wrote down. If you're looking at the show notes where it says kayfabe, the part before it. There's yep. that, but I, I actually kind of um, uh, 
Um, hold on. Uh, so here's 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 a question I have for you, and um, I had a conversation with a buddy of mine that I, I chat with him on Messenger like all the time. He is. He, dude, you, you would. I, I, if he's not a Facebook friend with you, he needs to be. You, is, you, you'd like the guy a lot, and he's got a YouTube channel. He's actually frequently asked me to go on and um, do something on his YouTube channel. He likes to do like rank albums by a band. He'll do this all the time. He's like, okay, I listened to every Rush album in a row, and now I'm going to try to rank them. Like, he's a cool guy, and we talk all the time. And um, you know, one of those dudes. That, look, I know we don't bring guests on the show, but he's one of those guys that. If we had other people on the show, could very easily do the show with us. He's a he's a good guy, um, loves metal, and we have a lot in common. Where like there's a lot of those random bands and random albums, like you and I, you know, are, are attracted like this random band and like, dude, no one talks about that anymore. Well, anyway, I had a conversation with him recently, and I I wanted to pose the question to you and see what you have to say about it. And this spawned because he told me. That I believe it was Covenant, not Domination. I think it was Covenant. It was one of the two. He said is his second favorite death metal album of all time. His number one is Cause of Death, just like mine is. It's a good answer is your favorite death metal. But anyway, we were talking about you seeing Morbid Angel. And he's a huge Morbid Angel fan. And, and it got me thinking, and I asked him a question, and I got his opinion, and I want yours. Um, and maybe we talk a little bit more about it. So here's my question to you. How much does a band's live performance, live concert, seeing them live, et cetera, et cetera, matter to you when it comes to liking a band I know that's probably a it depends answer but I'm curious your thoughts on that well um I, very little um what they do on stage because um I mean my first exposure to a band has nothing to do with their live show I mean usually um, now there, there are exceptions. Sometimes you see that opening band. Like I, I got into midnight because they opened for up, they opened up for obituary. So that's why I got into midnight. Um, I had never heard them before seeing them live and they, they really impressed me. But generally speaking, if I'm going to see a band specifically going to see that band, I'm familiar with them before. So what they do on stage has very little bearing on if, if I like their music or not. Um, now, obviously I prefer to see bands that are entertaining, but you know, if I like the album and they just stand there, it, it's not going to like ruin it for me. The The reason I see what, what's interesting to me is I look, man, I, I know I've, I've got my, we all have our quirks. I know I've got my quirks. Um, and I know you, you've got, and we're going to talk about one plus another one. Um, actually, no, we're going to talk about three, but three live concerts. We're going to get to that. But where, um, I have made a, and this year is dry because not a lot of, no, very few concerts are coming near me this, this, this summer 
there a lot are going to you know to the New York City area, but very few are coming to me. Again, we'll talk about a couple, but uh, but I'm going to Vakin, so I don't feel like this is a dry year. But I have made a habit of seeing basically as many concerts and live shows as I can. My list of bands that I like that I've seen live is rather obnoxious because I've spent a lot of time and effort doing it. Like I just I do. It's like I I it's just something that I like. Started the first concert I saw was Metallica and Corrosion and Conformity. Corrosion and Conformity opened. They are officially the first metal band I ever saw live. Since that, well, I mean, admittedly, that's a cool way to start your concert going career. But ever since I saw that show, I was hooked. And all through high school, I saw so many concerts in high school. My buddy Rob and I, we worked at a restaurant that called me Captain Concert, and he was Robbie Requestoff. Because we would see so many concerts every year. We're just always taking time off. And to this day, and again, not this year because there's not so many to go to, but man, up before the pandemic and, and right after like things started opening up, man, I was seeing concerts left and right. I live for it. So the live performance experience to me, clearly there's exceptions. Clearly there's bands I never got to see live. Well, no, I'll come back to that, but... Seeing bands live, to me, maybe more than some people, is a very big part of my, I always say, like, there's bands I'm not a casual fan, I'm a really big fan of. Seeing bands live is a big part of that. There are bands that I listen to that I like way more th because of a live experience I had with them than I would if I didn't. Um, actually, I just mentioned Napalm Death. I hated Napalm Death. Until I saw him live, and I thought Barney was just so damn entertaining. And I was like, wow, this is fun! And their music became so much more attractive to me. Because, I don't know, I think he's awesome. Like, the band Sticks. I've seen him like five times in concert. I love Sticks. I loved Sticks, but after the first time I saw them live, I became a such a big fan of them because of live performances. So maybe I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm a theater junkie. I don't know what it is. But how many times? And I don't know if we've done this on the new, you know, since we brought the show back. But we've talked a hundred times about how like I always collected like live videos and live DVDs of bands. Like I, if a band I liked had a live DVD, I went and bought it or VHS at the time. And I know you've always said to me, like you, you, you always felt well. There's exceptions, but you're like, well, I wasn't there. So, where for me, it's like, man, I, that experience of seeing that band perform, even if it was before I was live, alive. I don't. There, there's something about me in the in the live performance aspect of a band that really grips me. And has it, as I will tell you, it has a, a lot to do with it. If I see a band live and I'm disappointed, a lot of times it really it hurts my relationship with the love of the band. Not to say that in every situation. But, hey, man, look, 
here's another random example. I am a Winger fan because I saw them live. I never liked Winger. Then I saw them live. <clears throat> and I, I will never forget seeing Winger live. It took all of 10 seconds when I looked over at my friends that were with me and I went, please don't tell me that I'm going to walk away saying the best band here is Winger. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I didn't want to like them. Like, I could hear the chest hair from the back of the, from the, back of the amphitheater. <laughs> like I said, what does Winger sound like? Chest hair. But they were so good live that I got home and I was like, oh my God, I really got to sit down and listen to their first couple of records. Dude, I have their first album on vinyl. I love it. Never would have gotten into it if I didn't see it live. And I've told you that. I'm like, that's why I love Winger. I don't care. Make fun of me. They're a great band. I saw them live and it just... King's X, man. I've always been a big King's X fan. To me, seeing King's X live, I always tell people, it's like, man, like I'm not really a King's X fan. I'm like, yeah, you, you see them live. I'm not saying you're going to walk away and say you're a fan. But you see them live, and your you'll your chances of getting it are, are just different. Iron Maiden, dude, see Iron Maiden live. Iron Maiden. I mean, I don't have a favorite band, but Iron Maiden is more of my favorite band than they would be just based off records. If I didn't think that they were my favorite band to see live, and they are, they have been since the first time. I'm going to see them for the seventh time this summer, and I will see them for the eighth if I get an opportunity, and the tenth and the twentieth. Um, so yeah, for me, like live performances are a, a big deal. Now here's my next question for you. Can your love for a band in general just be part of the attraction to the show? Like can a band, like, like, here's my point. We, we talked about bands that are just like a wall of sound, right? Okay. And you're like, you, you, well, whatever. You're like, this band is boring. They don't, they, they. You and I would say a band... Oh, hey, let me give you an example. You and I saw Dimmu Borgir 20-some-odd years ago. Okay. I remember our opinion of seeing Dimmu Borgir. This band hasn't moved for a half an hour. It was the same note on the guitar for a half an hour, the same drum beat for a half an hour, the same vocal line for a half an hour, and they all stood there with smoke and they didn't move. Now, I remember you've mentioned numerous times how you thought they were boring as hell. I liked Dimmu Borgir and thought they were boring as hell. My question is, though, if you're a fan of, if you're like a big fan of Dimmu Borgir, and uh, please, I'm not making fun of Dimmu Borgir. They're an amazing band. I'm simply talking about an experience you and I had, which admittedly, I kind of. And their intro was like 10 minutes of lights off and organ music yeah. or something. And And I will tell you this. I never my my like for Dimu Borgir really never recovered. Weird as that sounds, I like Dimu, but I'd be a bigger fan if. But so my point is, if you're in like I'd ask people like I thought it was really boring. Like, does the simple fact that you're like I just really like them does that just make it? Like, it can it just be whatever it is if you just like the band? See, I don't I know mean, if I'm asking a question. In, in my I, opinion, is I'll just listen to their album and I probably won't go see them live on it again. Like at least not on purpose. I mean, maybe I see Dimu. I mean, a random example again. Maybe I, if Dimu was playing at Vakken, I would. By the way, I, like I have a list for Vakken of bands I'm absolutely not missing. Bands I'm like Igor that I plan to take a crap 
at that time. Like I'm going to schedule. They're my playing around time. here, and I might make it a point to go. <laughs> oh, so bad. I don't mind making fun of Igor because their music is hogwash. Um, his, I think it's one guy. But anyway, you get my point. Uh, whatever. Yes, it uh, is. Again, I'm busting balls. I know a lot of people like them. I think it's garbage. But whatever. I'm allowed to think it's garbage. We're all allowed to have difference of opinions. I, however, am not making fun of you for liking it. I'm really not, and I'm really not putting the band down. I'm saying my opinion of their music is it's terrible. But I'm allowed to think it's terrible. I'm not making fun of the guy or whatever. Anyway, you get my point. You're allowed to like them. Um, but then I have that little bubble of ba uh, Biohazard, for example, is playing Vakken. With the original band, it's back together. Evan's back in the band, they're all together. I don't like Biohazard. Never have. But they're in the and but they're in that middle category of like if Biohazard is playing at the same time of a band I really like, I'm gonna go see that other band. But if Biohazard's playing and I got you know what I mean, like I will go see them. Why? I'm not a fan, but uh, a Terror, for example, a hardcore band. I'm not into I'm not into hardcore and I'm not into Terror. If another band I like is playing when Terror is playing, it's an easy decision to see the other band. If not, I will absolutely walk to their stage and watch Terror play because I know damn well they're a good band. I know damn well they've got chops. They've been doing it for a long time, and they're good at it. Um, So, you know, th there's, there's, I don't know, anyway, where I'm going with this is just, um, I wonder how much you're just a fan of the music. And you're like, well, why would you see a band if you're not a fan of the music? Well, hey, I have always said that I saw Tool live. And I walked away going, I was listening to a soundtrack while watching a movie. That's how I felt when I saw Tool. I felt they were the soundtrack to a claymation movie. Like, it was this really cool visual thing. But the band, to me, might as well not have been there. They might as well have just put the soundtrack on because you're watching a movie. You couldn't see Maynard on stage, literally. If I remember correctly, he was like in the back of the stage and you couldn't see him or something weird. I was bored to hell. Now, I'm not a Tool fan, but I was bored to hell because I'm like, why am I? I literally said to my buddy, I'm like, why am I here? The, it's just the soundtrack to this video. We're watching. Why do I need the band? The band is serving no purpose in this concert to me. I'm, again, I'm not putting down Tool. I'm saying that was my opinion of the concert, that I felt the band didn't need to be there. It was just the soundtrack to a movie. But I don't know. If you really like Tool, maybe that's, that's cool. I don't know. I don't know. It's not really a question. Random thought um, that I was thinking about. So there is one other thing that I wrote on here that... Um, So here's my question uh, that I was gonna um, that I was gonna ask you. There is, and I have seen this online in multiple places. Again, I don't spend much time on Instagram, but I go in there and check on our. I check our account, and I see some stuff, and I go on YouTube and I see some stuff. Despite this band's recent controversy, etc., etc. I am seeing something referenced by different people in different places recently, and I want your opinion on it. 
Okay. I have seen a big amount of talk of people saying the heaviest riff of all time is I'm broken. No. I have seen that so many places. I've seen it so many places. And you being the dime guy. Now, look, by the way, I know the word heavy is relative. I'm aware heavy has to do with the time. You know, in 1970, when the first Black Sabbath album came out, I get it. That was heavy. I get it. What's heavy now? But, again, Ceteris Paribus. All things created equal. I keep seeing this. I keep seeing guitar players saying this. Which means it must be the thing to do, right? It's group think on the internet. It's all group think. But I just really wanted your opinion. I'm broken. Heaviest riff of all time. Nah. Not at all. Um, frankly, if you, I mean, I'm not saying this is the heaviest riff because I'd have to think about it. The original, I mean, Dimebag would probably say that's not the heaviest riff of all time. Dimebag would probably say the original opening riff to Black Sabbath is the heaviest riff of all time. He would probably say that. Um, is, is it is it Dimebag's heaviest riff? It, it it depends again. Like, it's hard to say because I don't know what you mean by heaviest. Like I don't know either. Like you said, I he- just keep heavy, seeing it. Heavy is relative. Like is heavy something that like cool? Like heavy means different things to to different people. To some people, Dio is heavy. To other people, Cannibal Corpse is heavy. And and there's no, you know, there, there's no comparing the two. Meaning. Somebody listens to like the riff to uh, uh, Rainbow in the Dark, and somebody's like, "Oh, that's so heavy." And then somebody else is going to listen to the song Red Before Black or the song like the Spine Splitter or something like that, and be like, "Oh, this is so heavy." They sound completely different, um, obviously, and it's really just a matter of of preference. I mean, well, sure, it's, it's hard to say because is heavy like. In my opinion, you can say something is heavy, but, you know, obviously, you know, the, the, the trend in music, especially heavy metal now, is when you want to make something heavy, you down tune. So you, you're in C sharp and you hear that dun, 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 dun. That to a lot of people is heavy. Then you'll hear a band like Obituary, who, who on their first couple of albums played in standard tuning. Yeah, their first records in standard tuning. I've seen people reference Slowly We Rot as which I think Slowly We Rot's the only one in standard. I think Cause of Death is in E-flat. But I've seen people, and I it's hard to kind of disagree, that Slowly We Rot is the heaviest album of all time in standard tuning. And you go, well, you got a case for that one, because that is a balls-heavy record. I mean, even Dawkins played in E-flat. Motley Crue played in D. You know, it's like, ah, the hell did you pull... Slowly we rot out in 440, like standard tuning. I have no idea how the hell you did that. Um, so, but yeah. Well, I mean, let, that- so let me let me let me throw this out too. And again, I know it's relative. So maybe let, let let's let me let me look at this from a like like, and I agree with you. Where you're like, well, one person could say this was heavier, and one person would say that. So okay. I'm going to ask you a question, and I don't want you to answer me in the, well, some people might say, I want, like, your straight-up opinion on this question. Like, what is your answer? And I'll put it this way. Someone hands you their guitar 
through their amp, right? Someone hands you their guitar through their amp. You can pick whatever tuning you want. And let's say it's a heavy metal guitar amp, whatever. And I said to you, play the heaviest riff ever. What would you play? And you can't be like, one that I wrote. <laughs> yeah. One that you wrote yourself. I don't know if you can even um, answer the damn question. The reason I say this is I keep seeing people say that about I'm broken. That's why I was just curious. I don't, maybe you can't give me an answer off the top of your head. I was just curious what you would do. I mean, I think Dimebag wrote heavier riffs, especially stuff on the Great Southern Tranquil is heavier than I'm broken. Like what? Uh, do, you have, um, do you have any examples? Um, I'm not like, trying to put uh, you on the spot. Uh, like the the bridge riff to uh, Suicide Note Part Two, the dun 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 Oh, that one, yeah. That is. That's I, I mean, ass, even if you want to just limit it, even if you just want to limit it to Far Beyond Driven, I think Becoming is heavier than than Five Minutes Alone. The the dun 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 screwing around with a pedal <laughs> no i know well that's how that's, that's how a lot of no, great I mean, literally just but... screwing around with a pedal he thought it was fun and was like well, i should use this but that was dime yeah you exactly know? i mean um, he didn't care but no i mean like that that's a thing like if you or if you listen to underground in america the burner 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 burn you know the the dun 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 underground in america and sandblast like but again i'm thinking a heavy too is now tuning that's a heavy riff Domination. You know what else is the oh, so, riff? there we go. There we go. You want to talk about the heaviest dime riff? I dare anybody. Dun 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 dun. How like that riff is known to be like the like the heavy riff in Pantera. Like I don't understand how anyone was saying I'm broken and they didn't immediately go to the end part of domination. Well, I mean, let, let's be fair, like. The art of shredding is heavy. There, there are riffs in the art of shredding. Um, the main riff in Cemetery Gates with the big, the big um, uh, pinch harmonic—that's heavy as hell too. Um, Far Beyond Driven, I think, is loaded with them. Hardline Sunken Cheeks has some amazingly heavy riffs on it. A new level. A walk. Walk I mean, would like, not again, be my answer for. I don't know what my answer for for him would be. It wouldn't be walk. No, it, um, I mean, but but you know, again though, like it, it's all relative because to a lot, you know, and, and not only that, when you talk about a heavy riff, sometimes what's around it impacts how heavy it is. You know, sometimes if you if you don't have a great vocal line behind it, it sounds less heavy. So I mean, like if you, you know, if you were to strip away deep. everything else, it may not sound the same. You know what I mean? I. Uh, uh, By Demons Be Driven is another super That's heavy. So, I don't know, man. I don't know what it is about this. Again, it's groupthink, right? No one's going to say it unless everybody else is saying it. But I just keep seeing that thrown around, man. Because, I mean, what's weird for me is like, dude, do you know how many people out there, you ask them, like, the heaviest riff of all time, they're going to say, like, uh... Let me let me think of a let me think of a good uh, um, uh, a, a a good example. Um, what about something? And I mean, again, dated. But what about something like the Hellion by Judas Priest? That's heavy as hell too. I you know my when I make lists of like some of my favorite 
I think the main the main riff to balls to the wall. I mean, that's that's all things considered one of the heaviest riffs of all time. That's heavy as I mean to me that grabs you by the nuts, man. That is that's that's heavy as crap too. Uh, and I'm aware this is all relative, but if someone's asking me like heaviest riffs of all time, I'm broken. It wouldn't even occur to me. I think it's a heavy no. as hell riff, and I'm not even saying they're crazy for thinking it. I'm saying it wouldn't have made my list. No, no, and not not because I disagree. It just because I again, it's relative. It just wouldn't have made my list. If I maybe we should someday make a list of what we think are like heaviest riffs, but it wouldn't have been on my list. No, um, and it wouldn't even it wouldn't even have been on my list of top ten favorite, not top of top ten heaviest Pantera riffs. See, like the main, like, the main, the primal concrete sledge is what well, dur- the dur- 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 you know that part. Like it's just, anyways. Think of stripped, blanked, and blanked by Cannibal Corpse. The opening riff to that song. I mean, I think of the riff to Dead Human Collection, the bridge riff. The dude, I want to be one of the dude. That riff, you know. What song? Well, what song is that from? Oh, "Devoured by Vermin." The or is that "Mummified and Barbed I think it's "Devoured by Vermin." Those two songs I always get mixed up, but no, I mean, like, there's, there's, but again, it all goes down to like, what do you consider heavy? Like, you're right. Technically, that riff in Devoured by Vermin is heavier because it's in B flat than, say, Balls to the Wall, which is in E. Because, so, you know, the tunings play a part. But then again, you know, like I said, Slowly We Rot by Obituary is so freaking heavy, it could compete against almost anything in a C sharp or B tuning. You know what I mean? So, and, and, and dude, if you want to go like low tunings, I don't know, you're not a big fan of that. I know you're not a big well, Mashuga is a really heavy. But I know you're not into the band, but if you want to talk low tunings like dude, pick any song off a Crowbar record and tell me that riff isn't super heavy. I don't care what song you pick. <laughs> I really don't care what song you pick. Um like like you would I know like for you you would you would like really early Crowbar more than anything later. Like even before um, Oddfellows Rest, like the really, really early stuff, it would probably be more inclined to be something you'd like. Um, but dude, like Crowbar, he, Kirk is just, it's, it's, it, it's all just balls, man. The guy, the guy can write a heavy riff. I mean, that's, I mean, he's made a whole career out of that. Um, and he gets hooked up often, well, you know. Of course. Winstein gets hooked you know, up. There are. I, could you make the case for a Fear Factory song? Probably. Uh, Dino's got yeah. some ridiculous. I mean, dude, go back to D Manufacture. Zero signals oh, heavy. Hell, hell went ninety four, right? Isn't that when Far Beyond Driven came out? Ninety four. I'm not I looking so. at it. D Manufacture and Far Beyond Driven. I think we're both ninety four. Fine, I'll look just because I don't want to be. Um, a jerk off. Let me. <laughs> I don't want to be a jerk off. Let me see. Ninety four. Hold on, I'm looking. Uh, I'm not wrong. Ninety four. 
So, hey, what, let's compare apples to apples. You've got Far Beyond Driven 1994, and you've got Fear Factory's demanufacture in 1994. I think most people would probably say Pant. If you say, well, which band's heavier? Off the top of your head, most people would probably say Pantera. They just would. But, I mean, riff for riff, when it comes to, like, heavy riffs, I mean, call me crazy. I'm a much bigger fan of Far Beyond Driven. But call me crazy. That album could hang. There, there, I would say there's as many. There are, there are riffs on Demanufacture equally as heavy as something like Unbroken. Oh yeah, if not heavy. Wrong. I mean, I'm guaranteeing you have some examples. Like Zero Signal is super heavy. Um, um, uh, I mean, even even um, uh, I mean, what's the song? Body Hammer's uh, got one too. Yeah, but as of now, I am a tool. See, that's well, the other thing I'm thinking about. So, like, if we're talking about heavy. Like the riff behind that chorus riff is not very heavy. The but but the vocals make it sound heavier. So that's what I'm saying. Sometimes it matters what's happening around well, the riff. Well, and what what and I've said this before. Dino, uh, there are songs on Demanufacture where Dino plays three notes. I don't even mean three chords. I mean three notes through the majority of a song he'll use the b string play it on seven string right use the b string yeah and the entire song is the open string one for, uh, you know fret one fret two I swear to god look at tabs for that record and you're gonna go did he seriously write that whole song and it's only three notes yeah he did because it wasn't about it wasn't about the note he played it was about the rhythm he played those notes well, that's the thing, what though. Fear Factory is always a syncopated... Right, but know. I'm saying, like, Dino could make a heavy riff without using his left hand. He could. They were heavy as crap. <laughs> Carrie King. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I would like to say that he, he, he played all his riffs on his one hand because he was eating a hot dog on his left, but, you know. Hey, I like, I like fellow fat guys, man. I'm not... I'm not making fun of you, Dino. I'm saying I appreciate a guy. I will well, never forget. Okay, it was probably a taco. <laughs> Let's I will fair. never forget that when you guys you guys went to Fear Factory, and I remember our singer was a massive Fear Factory fan. So I was like, I remember you had you had tickets and backstage patches, and I, I was like, our our singer is a way bigger Fear Factory fan. So I said, take him. And I remember you guys went, and you met Dino, and you, the only thing you came back with was like, dude, Dino's girlfriend was so hot. <laughs> I was like, she's so hot, and oh my god, I feel I don't even want to imagine how that works. <laughs> the sheer mechanics of it are mind-boggling. <laughs> it was, yeah. There were there were there were a couple of highlights from that night, and I've told this story before. Like, um, uh, Burton was like, "Hey, we got to go in the club," so he walked us into the club to get some to get something. Oh, I'm yeah, and then we had to go back in the tour bus, and you know, he had a hoodie up so that people wouldn't recognize him, and someone was like, "Hey, hey, Burton." You better play Piss Christ or I'm going to be really mad. And he looks at him and goes, you're going to be really mad. <laughs> I thought it was funny. Like, they're not playing Piss Christ. Come on. Um, it, I, they, this is again, you know. Well, hey, first of all, how many times do you and I say that we don't use the word best on this show? 
we don't use most or best on this show usually. You and I will say our favorite albums of some, like, you and I would say our favorite thrash metal albums, we wouldn't say what's the best, right? But you could say your favorite, we would, we would be more inclined to say our favorite thrash metal album of all time than we would say the best thrash metal album of all time. Because why? Because A, the word bad, no, your favorite, you can't argue that. Because it's your favorite, no one else's opinion matters. It's your favorite. But saying the best implies that there's a right answer and no one else's opinion matters on that. And as much as I would like to think that I'm right about everything, who are we to tell other people what the best of something is? I mean, really? Mm -hmm. Loudwire and all those other suck-ass magazines do the, these are the best. You're full of crap. It isn't. Even if those are my favorites, too. You're full of it. Stop acting like you're the damn authority. There is no authority of the, you know, Iron Maiden is the, they're the best band to see live. They're my favorite. I would highly recommend them. I would say if you like that music at all and you go see Iron Maiden, there's a pretty good chance you might walk away and say, that's the best band I've ever seen live. But they're not the best band to see live. They're just my favorite. There's a difference. Now, are they, if you asked me who the best was, I would say, well, my vote would be them. But again, I'm not the authority to say, um, to say something else. So I will gladly say I have, I have no authority to say what the heaviest riff of all time is. But to say something is, you know, my vote for, or at least some of the heaviest riffs of all time, um, it's just interesting to think about because, and especially, you know, from your opinion, because you're such a, you're such a riff guy. Um, dude, uh, there, there are, and I'm blanking, dude, I am totally blanking. You know how you just got done mentioning how sometimes... The heaviest riffs aren't even heavy riffs, but they're heavy riffs because of what the song does with them. I can give you a really good example. I got to look up the name of the song because I'm blanking. Okay. If I'm using the wrong song off the record, you'll know what I'm getting at and you'll correct me. Is it Hollow Ground? It's the track by The Haunted. Uh, that Where is a track by the Haunted. If it's the one you're talking about, I don't know. There's a riff on the from the Haunted on Made Me Do It. I think it's Hollow Ground. Where the riff itself is totally like just catchy and not heavy. But there's something about it. Um, let me see. Let me see if I can listen to this in my head real quick. In my ear ears. Hologram is I know I'm making people listen while I Unless it's Leech you're thinking of the Yeah, it's Leech. Yeah, Leech. That is not a heavy riff. But there's something about it that makes it I mean, am I wrong? No, I like mean, if yeah, you just got up and played that riff, it wouldn't sound heavy. But in context of that song, it's balls. Well, that's exactly it. Like that's the, with with Marco Aragorn going, "Sucking you dry." 
I was thinking it was hologram. Well, actually, the main rift of trespass is really heavy, but yeah, I always like victimized stuff that album. What's that? I always like victimized off that album. Well, I mean, even if you listen to the title track, even if you listen or not the title track, the first track, "Bury Your Dead," the is not heavy in and of itself. But you throw the double bass drums behind it, Mark are going "Bury Your Dead," then it becomes heavy. You know what I mean? Like that. I remember when that record came out. Like it actually wasn't all that popular, and. It's because it was constant reviews of like, oh, it's just the next Slayer record. I don't think it sounds like Slayer at all. Admittedly, though, that guitar riff is very Slayer. Oh, anything that, anything the, the that's played in that in key that song, is going to sound like Slayer. No, but I'm saying just the way that guitar riff could be on a Slayer record. But I don't think the album sounds like Slayer at all. Um, no, truthfully, like, um, what... You know, the, the, I, I remember because I remember I pulled their first album out of what we used to call the crap bin. Um, when we inherited our heavy metal radio show, there was a bin of CDs, a crate of CDs. There was a crate of CDs that was kind of like the the the, the, the I rejects, the, the the rejects. And I remember, you know, being metal fans and not that the, not that the the previous person who did the show was not a metal fan. They were just more into the business aspect of radio, well, meaning what's gonna, what's gonna, what's the next big album? What does yes. the, their label need to push? You and I were coming into it as we're heavy metal fans, and we're gonna like do a show that people like us well, would want to listen to. So we went through yeah. all those albums, and we, yeah, the, we pulled the, the, out. The, there were two big differences. One, no, he admittedly he was a radio guy. Yeah, from the perspective, he was like a radio industry, so he was more inclined to play the records that he thought were going to be big or that were getting traction. Hey, man, that's the way the radio industry works. We were more inclined to play the, we think this is cool. Also, though, when we came in to that radio show, we're like, dude, you got bins full of stuff. And we found so much stuff in there. Dude, after we had been doing that show for two years, do you know how much stuff we threw in a bin? Because we, we didn't have time to listen to all of it. I mean, I know it sounds like, whoa, sucks to be you. You got a bunch of free CDs. But listen to yourself. Look at yourselves right now. You've got Spotify or Apple Music or something right now. You could listen to whatever the hell you want. Look at how many bands you don't listen to. Because you don't have time to listen to all of them. But yeah, you went, we would find stuff in the bin that got tossed aside. Because it happens. Yes. So I, I remember I pulled, I was one of, the whole reason I brought that up was I pulled the first Haunted album out of there. And I listened to it. And I'm like, holy crap, this is great. You know, because this is like thrash metal has had a huge record. Yeah, I mean, I pulled. Uh, what else did I That's pull? Why out I was an Imani Marth fan before most people were? Not because I was cool. It's but I have one cent from the Golden Hall on CD. There was only like, there was a very very small run of those that were printed. And again, I'm not cool. It's because it got it got thrown in a bin. Like I and pulled I heard, the hot I heard out of there. It. I pulled Dismember out of there. I pulled uh like it, it was just a lot of bands that I pulled out of there that I that I love to this day. And um it's how I got into how I got into like random black metal bands. And that was actually before we even did that show. But bands like Old Man's Child as silly as it sounds, I got into that band with their early records because they were in the crap bin. I picked them up. Like, oh look, there's a bunch of these. By like 97, 98, it was into those guys. Can we go down to the radio stations? They're sitting in the bins. 
Why? Yeah, well, because so- no one was, no one in the rest of the heavy metal radio, even other college radio stations that did metal shows, weren't playing them. I was just glad they didn't get thrown away. So I would have so never yeah, listened so- to Old Man's Child if that didn't happen. So yeah, like you know, like I said, it's we. Um, so we pulled a whole bunch of stuff out of there, but, um, you know, I. Anyways, the whole point I was the whole point I was trying to get to with this whole entire thing was so it, when Made Me Do It came out and we got it at the radio station, I actually paid close attention to it and really um really was, you know, like I said, interested in it. Um so and it was funny because that album was pretty big. And and I don't mean it was big like it's not wasn't it wasn't on the billboards. It wasn't selling like it didn't open number 1 like it. Um, it didn't open, you know, so, but I remember, like, I think I mentioned this before on this, on the show where there is some robot battle show that was hosted by Mick Foley, I think on, on one of those, like, you know, like uh, yeah. spike TV or something. Part of me thinks it's not the one that's on now. No, no, it's not. It, it got canceled. But it was that I mean, sort I'm talking, thing. this was like 20 years ago. No, I know, but I'm saying, I don't think it was the same, but I know what you mean. Yeah. Mick Foley hosted it. I so, so, but I, like fact, during the. During the commercials, they would play Dark Intentions. Now, they probably didn't get paid for it because there was that, like Dave Mustaine said, if they would have played that for two more seconds, I would have got paid. Um, you know, so so I don't know. It's called know Robot if they got Wars. Paid. Yeah, Robot Wars. Yeah. So, like, they used to have commercials on TV and they would play Dark Intentions by The Haunted. And I, I remember because I was thinking to myself, like, whoa, wow, they're playing The Haunted during like a network television, cable television broadcast. Um, so, you know, and I remember like for like, you know, the haunted was touring with cannibal corpse on the spring neck break tour. We saw him all those years ago. Um, yep. yeah, I remember because Marco was, Aro was in the band. It yeah. Was a Lamb, Lamb of God. God was, that was, I think the same show. Wasn't that the same show as Demo Borgir? It was. Yeah. It was Lamb of God, yeah. then the haunted, then Dim- well, and we said too, the other reason why we felt that Dimu was boring was because the haunted wasn't. Well, it was the Lamb of God and all energy. You had Demo Borgir opening after not only The Haunted, but Lamb of God. You're right. So I think Lamb of God opened the show. And, and for the record, very early Lamb of God. This is when they were on tour for that first album like they put Burn out. Burn the Priest, I think it was, or whatever. No, no, yeah, it wasn't Burn the Priest. That was the name they were first. Um, hold on. Uh, Burn the Priest was Lamb of God's name before they were Lamb of God. Right, but they did release but, an album called Burn the Priest, too. Right, but the one I, I'm talking... Yeah, 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 hold on. Give me a second. Yes. No, no, no. They released an album called Burn the Priest when they were Burn the Priest. The record, the first quote-unquote Lamb of God record is the one that we play. It was called New American Gospel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You you, uh, you know, you, you know that record. Um, because now... What the crap did we play off of it? I couldn't tell you. I Ashes know... of the Wake was what broke him, though. No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I know that. Um, Lamb of God on New American Gospel had not broken yet. They were not big yet. Agree with you. They broke on Ash Palace's Burn in 2003. Hey, well, we, we talked about Crypta earlier. You know, they they got a little bit of road reputation. So when their second, if Crypta does what Lamb of God did and put out their second record, in their case, as a palace is burned, 
Um, it could it could launch them, and that's what they did. Very very smart. Admittedly, if you're a big Lamb of God fan, I'm not saying you don't like New American Gospel, but New American Gospel was not the record that was going to put them on the map. Right, it's a good record, but it wasn't going to, you know, they weren't going to break the metal world off of New American Gospel. As a palace is burned, yes. Now, it's a successful record. It sold a lot. I'm not saying it didn't, but and and it still gets great attention now. But I'm telling you, at the time, it wasn't the record that really made them what they were. Again, great album, popular, sold a bunch, very well regarded, but they were a warm-up band at the time. And I'm only saying this because, actually, similar to Crypta, I will tell you one thing about that Lamb of God show, and I don't like them. I utterly despise listening to that band. I hate listening to that band. I've seen them live, I think, three times, and yeah, I've, I've seen them. And the only time I ever actually watched them was at that Spring Neck Break tour. At I've least, seen I, them at least three times. I saw them twice on the Slayer Farewell tour, once there, and I want to say some other time. I'd have to look. Well, the Campbell Corpse tour. Right, yeah, that, and then twice with Slayer, but I want to say one other time. I, I can't matter. remember. Maybe it was only twice that I saw them. Either way, I, you know, I think that I think they were going. I think they were on a show I was going to go to, and I ended up not. But look, and again, well, if, let, you know, I, I know a lot. Quick, though. Let me throw this out though. Earlier, I was saying that Crypta, I have this feeling, is about to take off again if they do the right thing with their second album. They're talented, they write good songs, they're engaging live, but they're hungry. You watch Crypto Live, you can tell this band is hungry. Well, probably because they are, because they're probably not getting paid very well. But tell me when you saw Crypto that they're not up there trying to steal the show every night. I don't mean in a disrespectful way. I'm saying watch Crypto Live and tell me they're not trying to make you remember them. Well, that's what any band should do, remember? Well, I mean, that, yeah, but they that, don't all do that, that. That That's what goes back to what we were talking about, though, with, with band logos and stuff a couple weeks ago. Like, if you're, like, I don't understand. Again, if 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 your goal is not to be noticed, why bother? Like, I, I mean, well, I'm not telling people you can't make art for art's sake, but why tour the country if your well, goal is not to be noticed? You know what I mean? Let me, let, let me tell you this. When I heard New American Gospel, albeit not my thing, I thought it was cool. I wouldn't have ever pegged them as a band that was going to blow up. I remember seeing them live and walking away going, not my thing. But that band is hungry. I, I remember you walking away saying, man, that singer, and at the time I didn't know his name was Randy Bly. I'm like, he really wants to be Phil Anselmo. No, no, I, I no, no, he absolutely did. But all I meant was sometimes there's a band with a fire under their ass, and they stand out. And again, lots of bands want to, but you can tell when a band is hungry. New, uh, Lamb of God was hungry. 
they were out there on that tour, and you could tell when you watch them, they were on that tour going, we're, we're, we're going to take over the world. They had something, they had a fire, and lots of bands tour, lots of bands are trying to make it, not everyone has a fire behind them. You know, Pantera did. Pantera, when they were an opening band, you know, when when no, they would walk up on stage, Metallica did. Look what Metallica did when they were, you know, come on, dude. When they were touring with Ozzy, they they were not a well-known band. Yeah, they were big in their in a bubble. They were big in the thrash metal world. Yep. They go out on tour with Ozzy. And every night they got up there with the intention of making people forget Ozzy was there. Not well, every band does that. Like, I was going to say. Every band would, would, would want to say they feel that way, but not every band does that. So I, I think Crypto's doing it, and I think Lamb of God did it, and I think it paid off for Lamb of God, even though I don't even like them. Well, I was going to say, like, I, I meant to say this back then, but I, I didn't get a chance, is, is you know, the the the... Everybody at the end of the show was yelling, play more songs, play more songs when they were getting off stage. Like, you know, like a lot of people there really wanted them to actually stay on stage. And it was like a genuine thing. So um, they're cleaning up their gear because, you know, they're opening band like they moved their own gear off stage. Like they disassembled their own drum sets. They packed up their own stage equipment. You know, they don't have roadies. Um so everybody but was they yelling. They should have like, groupies. Well, <laughs> where where's that list start? Um, <laughs> well, they do have a female bass player. Let's remember that. Yeah, that's. <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah. Of course, who does Rex get a picture with? The female bass player, and it, it wasn't even planned. Oh man, I, well, I just cannot. I, you, I, I like, cannot escape that. <laughs> I message you, and you're like, because okay, there's a running joke between Rex and I. That Sonia Anubis is my perfect woman. Now, I'm going to be very clear about this. She's 20 years too young for me, man. Like, <laughs> Oh, please. That would only elevate your dirty old man status. Right, but I mean, all joking aside, <laughs> she's way too young for me. Get, take So take the actual pervy part out of the equation. What you really mean is because she's... A 20, she's me when I was that age. She's yeah. me when I was 20. She's into rat and like, like all the stuff she's into. You're always like, man, like she's like the, she's like your woman. And I was joking around with you the other day. I'm like, man, look at Krypta. I'm like, I'm like, Fernanda is your perfect woman. And you're like, yeah. And I was like, and she's the bass player. <laughs> I mean, again, I'm, I, but I was, and the reason I said that, I was like, look, man, she's really into vinyl. And I'm like, I'm like, dude, she's perfect for you. And she's the bass player, which is just funny because of the running gag that Rex has a crush on every female bass player. Find me an example of me being wrong. Go for it. Yeah. You know, what? oh man, I even remember I was like, I, I, you were like, you weren't into into um, my dying bride, and um, I showed you a, a track by my dying bride. And you're like, had you told me they had a female bass player, I would have listened earlier. <laughs> like, <laughs> bolt thrower, the first thing out of your mouth. Oh, they got a hot female bass player. I was like, okay, I didn't call Joe Bench hot. I said no, she was no, no. cool. 
No, I know you're joking around, <laughs> and I know I'm joking around, but you do have a natural attraction to female bass players. I, I over think your it's lifetime. just see. I don't think it's. I don't think it's the fact that they play bass. I just think that it's like when 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 cool women are in metal bands, they just happen to play bass. I don't think it's the bass. Then I'm, you know no, what I mean? Like, I don't no. think it's the instrument. I just think it's genuinely what I don't, I don't know, whatever you want to talk about. See, see, that's, see, that's, a, that's the difference between Rex and I. Like, we always talk about the differences between Rex and I. Like, for me, it's like, if, if I want a woman to, like, get me going, I'm Not like, some yeah, little girl yeah, yeah. who had no, to grow no. up in daddy's big world. <laughs> like, me, I'm looking at it going, yeah, that's right. You better have at least C cups, and I want them in my face. <laughs> Rex is like, I hope you can drink, and while you're at it, play bass. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If you can no, play like, bass like, while like, chugging what? a bottle of Jack Daniels, it's on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're basically Sean from White Zombie, you do it for him. <laughs> yeah, what I exactly. mean by that is, if you can, if you can drink and party with Pantera and play in a band, you 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 win. You are you you have reached the. Pl- it's like like Rex's to my D cups in my face. Is Rex's? You can drink a bottle of Jack and play bass. <laughs> That's funny. Because with both of us, the rest of the package doesn't matter. <laughs> I'm like, you're like, you're like, what? yeah, but her face wasn't very cute. I'm like, I didn't notice. <laughs> I wasn't looking at it. You're just like, no, <laughs> but, no, like, like I used, to, I used to joke around. I'm like, like Sean from White Zombie. Like, clearly, she was an attractive woman. But you always said you're like no 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 she's not hot because she's hot she's hot because dude like she's partying and playing a bass and like that like you always said like that was that's where all the all the extra points came from you know um yeah so anyway it, it is a it is a long running joke but it's also true that you've always said like if you were to list like the women you always thought were hot it all there was always that that it was always the cool factor it was always like yeah, oh, yeah because because she drinks jack daniels and listens to the misfits whatever i'm making this up you know and plays bass you know to me i'm like boobies you know like whatever whatever <laughs> you're just like the two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you're, see that's the, that's the other difference it's like it's like rex wants to drink jack daniels and talk to this person about vinyl about, records. <laughs> about vinyl records. And I just want to motorboat somebody. Like, I can talk about records on my show. You're just like, what's your name again? It's like, that's really, <laughs> you motorboating son of a gun? Like, that's all, you know, and we all have priorities. You old sailor, you. <laughs> we all have priorities in life. You, you wanted to drink Jack Daniels. Me, I wanted to jiggle. You know, whatever. <laughs> It's good. You just wanted to take a look-see. <laughs> right. You want to drink some Jack, I want to take a look-see. You know? I'm not saying cop a feel. I'm saying get a little look-see. There's a difference. You, you I mean, wanted I to cop go to- a feel, but only if it's voluntary. Yeah, why? Like, I need just want to see what like, you like, got. What you got. I just want to see what you got for me. <laughs> let, let, let's be fair, though. It is 2023. If I'm going to cop a feel, I need my permission in writing. <laughs> I need. Please I need speak that. Plain, Please speak. I'm going to record. Please speak plainly into the camera that you can send. It's like, to this. It's like can we get this notarized? Yes. Gonna, can we notarize? I'm going to need this filled out in triplicate and return to me by the end of the day. <laughs> like yeah, okay. Go get this notarized, and when you come back, 
I'm going to get two handfuls. But until then, it's just Bull a look-see. <laughs> until then, like, like I can't, you know, you, you can't sue me over a look-see because I, I can deny that one. But, but copping a feel, I'm going to need in writing. So, um, what? Know. I just want to see what you got fair. for me. <laughs> let's be fair. This is how this is going to work. I want to cop a feel. You go down. And we, we fill out a contract. You go get it notarized. When you come back, wait in line, take a number, and eventually you'll get the chance for me to, you know, give you the honor of that. <laughs> it's funny because you, no, you say, I just want to see what you got for me, and you're talking about that. I'm talking about, like, I want to see your discogs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're like I want to see your discogs and 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 how many you know uh, how, how many how many shots can you take? Well, I would I might say how many shots could you take, but we mean them in very different ways. <laughs> 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 I I more you know how many shots can you take? It's like it's like you know uh, he's talking about Jack. I'm talking about Bukaki. Like oh, it's okay. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> <laughs> that that that'd be a fun post. Try and guess what they, try and guess what these phrases mean to each of the heavy metal hangover hosts. I just want to look see. I taken it. I just want to see how many shots you can take. I just yeah. I just uh, hey, I just want to see what you got for me. <laughs> yours is discography. You know, My, mine is, mine's no. going to be square as hell. <laughs> yeah, yours is going to be square as hell. <laughs> My mine's going to be the question of. Is it shaved or is it a landing strip? <laughs> hey, hey, circa nineteen ninety two Playboy, that one works too. Uh, you know, <laughs> give it a little tug. You know, something like whatever. Whatever we're talking. <laughs> Just want a look see. No, come on, come on. All joking aside, I was going to go hey, take a look see. <laughs> I, I told you, I, I felt the need to, to to dabble a little bit in the filth. It had been but, a while. By the way, you realize that that's going to be a new catchphrase, right? Take a look see. <laughs> Take a look see. Well, whatever. You know, wouldn't be the first time. You know. That's going to be one of I our new catchphrases. Take a look see. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and and always say yes to bone movies. I just feel I I've been I've been missing that one, man. Dude, I was, we need to do we need to do a new intro to the show, and you've totally got to say. So why don't you come on down and take a look see? <laughs> come on down and take a look see at the heavy metal hangover. Yeah, so, I mean I've said this before though. Like you see some of our old <laughs> listeners that were around with the original the original show, um, which does not exist anymore um, because I'm never putting another episode out with my full name on it again um, <laughs> for good reason. Not doing it. I have I have deniability. That way, uh, you know, now, it's hard for it's it's harder it's harder for Duff to take a looksee when when you know his real name. <laughs> well, and I don't care if people know my real name. I'm just not using it. <laughs> you know, hey, we always when, said it when was there's a, a physical record of his real name, it makes it harder for him to take a looksee. <laughs> right, right, right. You know, well, because the difference is, I could at least make the case that this is a character, and that was a person. At least now I can pretend I'm not really this way. Um, <laughs> But uh, um, I can pretend, we, and you'll believe it. And I, I can be convincing while taking a look. See, um, so <laughs> some people will say, "Let me peruse that." I'm just going to go. Eh, let me get a look. See, um, so <laughs> like, admittedly, there were reasons why the show was pulled. We don't need to get into it. 
but we always said we never meant to use our real names. We kind of started off doing it, and we were stuck with it. Glad we don't use them anymore. But anyway, on the old show, that is, is why if you're listening to the show, and we referenced the fact that there were about 250 episodes that existed before this one. Like, really, we pulled down close to 250 episodes that were, like, really, we had a lot. Um, but our, our new, our, our listeners that comment now that used to listen to it, they make these references about, like, me being a scumbag, and, and it's all like, if you're new to the show, you might not have experienced that, because I've been a lot more, um, dare I say, sober, and, um, well, I, what I what I really mean by that is I've I've been much more on topic, and I and I've been a lot more conversational and a lot less, you know, let's just make it dick and fart jokes the whole time. Um, but every once in a while, I feel, you know, you feel like you want to take a look see. I yeah, and I, and I feel like I you know, but you know, like I gotta. I mean, come on. We did to tell you, and I don't mind. I don't mind coming out and saying this. So. When the show first started, episode one of the original show was boring as crap. And the last couple episodes before the of the original show were great examples of the fact that the show went completely off the rails. It was my fault the show went off the rails. I went too far with nonstop making... Like, the last ten minutes of the show was what every episode was for weeks and weeks and weeks. It was my fault. I mean, way too, it just became about boobs and not even about metal. And I get it, my fault. Um, so it's been a conscious effort to be, to reel it in a little bit. But I think our listeners deserve a little bit of hogwash, filth, and, and, and from time to time. I mean, mind you, one of the last episodes we did on the original rendition of the show was basically the two of us saying, wash your ass for three hours. <laughs> because we were, for about a week, obsessed with the record, wash your ass. And I have it, by the way. I'm by, uh, by, for it. Yeah, by Red, uh, Red Skelton, right? No, not Red S- <laughs> <laughs> Um uh, <laughs> That's Red Fox, but Red, Red Skelton was hilarious. No, we're talking Red Fox. But no, Red Skelton was Fox. hilarious. Um Um Uh I got see, okay. It's funny that okay, so Red Fox is who did that. Yeah. What's funny about Red Skelton? Is that, like, I was raised by my grandparents. You were raised by your grandparents. Or, again, not going into crazy details, but you get the point. And every once in a while, you and I would make a... No one our age would accidentally say Red Skelton because they've <laughs> never heard of him. <laughs> the only reason you would accidentally say Red Skelton instead of Red Fox is because... Y- <laughs> like, no one else's brain would go there. But it's because our grandparents... Lo- both of our grandparents would have entered... would have showed us Red Skelton. I, don't know. I just find that funny because there's no way... Anybody under the age of 65 or more would have ever <laughs> accidentally used that name because they wouldn't have ever heard of him. The Seagrams no. is hitting me hard tonight. <laughs> well, it's, it's, but that, that was just a fun point of like, 
you and I said that there's oftentimes there's just some things that um, that would you know people always say there's things that date us. It's like that didn't date you. That just dated our childhood and the way we were raised by people older than us. I am not well, seventy no. years old. I swear. No, that's what I'm saying. It's like no one under the age of seventy would accidentally say Red Skelton, but. It's really funny that you did because it's a testament to the fact that we were raised by one generation older than people our age. Like no one else our age would have accidentally said Red Skelton, you know. Um, they might have said Red Foreman, but they wouldn't have said Red Skelton. And then we would have had to put our foot up their ass. Oh God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for anybody else that wasn't funny, but it was funny to me just because again. I'm well aware of Red Skelton just because my grandparents <laughs> raised me. Um, otherwise, yeah. there's no chance so, I would have ever heard of him. So why don't we? Why don't we uh, make? You know, we should we should start prepping this now. Why don't we make? You know, we we've talked about. We spent a lot of time on crypto. We talked about. Uh, um, we didn't get a chance to really. I mean, we're we're getting two and a half hours in. We didn't get a really chance to talk about. Um, well. The, the one point, but I, I do want to mention the show that we're both going yeah, to yeah, in New let, York let's City. Let's talk about this one for a minute, and then there's two other ones we'll mention as well. Um, one that you're you might be going to, and one I'm going. Fine, but yeah, I definitely want to talk about this one. Um, and there's and I don't want to get into the controversy because it's late in the show, but there's a little controversy. Um, controversy. Yeah, we'll we'll talk about this in a second. So, you mentioned to me. A few days ago, you're like, dude, Armored Saint is playing in New York City. And you told me that you were probably going to go. And I should go. It's a Saturday, after all. It's You're like, it's a Saturday. <clears throat> I can take a train from Central New York State. I can leave in the morning. I take a train. I'm in Manhattan. It is so easy to get from anywhere... On I-90 from, like, Buffalo, Syracuse, Rochester, Albany, all through there, you take a train, you get on an Amtrak, and it takes you directly into Penn Station. You walk out the front door, you're looking at Madison Square Garden. The venue that we're going to is right around the corner from Madison Square Garden. So you're literally like, dude, it's a Saturday. Take a train, you get there, you walk out, you're there, you spend the night at a hotel, probably within walking distance, and you, you go back and you go home. Like, it's super easy. So I was like... I've done it before. It's I, I, it's an easy ride. It's super easy on a train. Um, by the way, Amtrak's awesome. Like, God, man, flying sucks. Uh, riding a train for five hours, dude, it's awesome. Your seat's pretty. Your seat is bigger, and I'm a fat ass. My seat is bigger, and I, I it's great. Anyway, but you were like, you should go. And I was like, damn it, I missed Armored Saint when they were in New York City last time. That's how you were there. You got put on the album. You know, you're on the back of the the Armored Saint live record. So I was like, you know what? Screw it. It's Armored Saint. I don't know who's opening. This is funny. I, did, I was like, I even told you, I don't know who's opening for Armored Saint, but I'll go. I was actually, I don't know if you, you even know this. I was on Ticketmaster's website in the process of buying a ticket when I found out Anth or, uh, Anthrax. Armored Saint wasn't the headliner. I didn't even know. I was just going to see Armored Saint. I actually thought it was an Armored Saint concert, and I was wondering who was going to open. I had no idea Armored Saint was opening for Wasp. 
Which, now, don't get me wrong. As much as I would probably like to see Armored Saint as a headliner, they're they're the opener, but it's not like they're the 10-minute... I mean, it's the... They're the other big band. They're not going to play for 10 minutes. You know, they'll get a 45-minute set or something like that. But I, I seriously had no idea. I, I, I don't... As much as I would like to see Armored Saint play longer. Man, how cool is that, though? I was just going to buy a ticket anyway. And I'm like, holy crap, I can see Wasp? I mean, I'm going to bring I'm gonna bring pictures of naked ladies with me so I could say I've got pictures of naked ladies when I'm in the show. Um, but, dude, I, I don't know about you, man. And I know Wasp, too, is like an added bonus. Dude, I'm super excited to see Wasp, too. Like, I am a damn big fan of Wasp. And I heard, well, the nice thing is, too, like, for a while, Blackie Lawless was not playing a lot of the old Wasp stuff. Like, And when I say old Wasp stuff, I mean the stuff people actually wanted well, to hear. Because he was, like, super boring and Christian. I guess he's loosened up on that recently. Well, he found Jesus. I didn't know now he was supposed he just to be looking to find- for him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I always say check your sock drawer. That's where everything else is. Like I was, I, I mean, I'm such a dick. I didn't know he was missing. <laughs> um, found, no, no, no. Yeah, found a- anytime. <laughs> no, dude, I, I, I'm such a dick. Sometimes, someone will say, like a member of their family died, and they'll be like, "I lost my grandfather." I swear to God, my instinct is to say, "Did you check your sock drawer?" Like I'm such a dick. <laughs> I'm always like check your sock drawer. Um, I, I've actually said that to people when they were talking about someone dying and they didn't like the joke. <laughs> but I feel a little better when someone's like, I found Jesus. I was like, was he in your sock drawer? I don't know why I find that funny. Maybe, again, it was because I was raised by my grandparents who actually put money in their sock drawer. Dude. I don't know. But, no, he found he found Jesus. And, well, dude, he, they hadn't played in the United States in over a decade. Now, this is part two. This is the second leg of the tour. So, yes, they... The first half of the tour, and it was with Armored Saint, was in 2022. But they hadn't played the U.S. in 10 years. Because there wasn't a market here for them. They couldn't make any money here. They played Europe and everywhere else. Um, But I don't know about you, man. I'm pretty damn excited. Dude. I'm excited to see both bands. Like, a lot. Dude. I just looked at their set list for April 14th, which was their their Europe set list. And I assume their set list won't change much. They play it, man. Oh, I know they do. They play it. He, they're not going to not play it. Well, well, like, well but for a while was, he wasn't, though. <clears throat> no, 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 I know. But Animal is specifically one of the songs that he didn't play before that is high on the list of he's going to play it now. Dude, like, I better look like, over and see you singing every single word at the top of your life. Dude, I'm going to take a that, video at that point and keep point, going back and forth between you and Blackie Lawless. Man, I love that damn song. But, dude, there is a ton of Wasp songs I really like. And, by the way, I was talking, and I won't mention her name because I don't want to embarrass her, but one of our <laughs> listeners, she's a regular... Um, one of our regular posters and commenters, and um, I was, you know, <clears throat> she's awesome. And I, and I was having a conversation with her today, and, I, and um, because we're going to see that concert, and she's going to see it on a different date. Um, I don't remember which one she's going to, but she's going to a different one. 
<clears throat> and we were both talking about like really being excited to see Wasp. And I told her, I was like, oh my God, I love Wasp. I um, personally think Live in the Raw is the best thing. Like, if you want to own something by Wasp, other than the single for Animal, like, Live in the Raw is kind of ridiculous. It's so good. You know, it's got I Want to Be Somebody and Blind in Texas and Wild Child and Love Machine and all that stuff. But it's got Harder Faster on it, which was the song they wrote specifically for Tipper Gore and the PMRC. Um, so I think it's amazing. If you, I have I have Live in the Raw on vinyl. If, if you've never heard it, it makes my list, again, not best. It makes my short list of favorite live albums of all time. It's that good. But what I was talking to her about, and I've mentioned it on the show, but I might not have mentioned it on season two. I might have only mentioned it on season one. Wasp's album, The Crimson Idol, which I know is really a Blackie Lawless solo record under the name Wasp. The Crimson Idol <clears throat> is one of my, it, it was on my top 50 favorite albums of all time. It is one of my favorite albums of all time. It's weird. If you've never heard The Crimson Idol, it is very much like a Who record. It's very much like Tommy. And... Right when you start that song out, when you start that album out, the drummer on that record is Frankie Benali, who passed away in the last few years of, I think, pancreatic cancer or something to that effect. He was the drummer for Quiet Riot. If you didn't know, he played on the Wasp album, The Headless Children, and he played on The Crimson Idol. Dude, the drums in that song are... You know how we always say, like, when Nick Menza would play just a four four, do ba do like it you it was like it would shake you because he just hit it. Well, Frankie Benali's that way. Dude, if you listen to Quiet Riot, if you have never noticed how ballsy the drums were on the Metal Health record, Frankie Benali is in the pocket. He does some tasty stuff on on Toms, but he is a I'm like <clears throat> He is a thunderous drummer. I don't know how to better say it. And on, on the Crimson Idol, you don't have to be a drummer to appreciate it. Hit play on track one of the Crimson Idol. You will hear what I'm talking about. It, it is so Keith Moon, it's crazy. It is so Keith Moon, it's crazy. It's like if Keith Moon was louder and just nastier. I think the Crimson Idol, one of my favorite records of all time. And I know he plays. I am not looking at the set list, and I'm willing to bet you he probably plays Chainsaw Charlie. I'm guessing he plays Chainsaw Charlie. He might play something else on the record. I mean, The Great Misconceptions of Me is a great song. I doubt he plays it. But Chainsaw Charlie? Yeah. He's got to play it. Um, <clears throat> He does on... He did on... Um, Double Live Assassins, um, which was a later live album that they um, that they put out. But uh, that uh, <clears throat> sorry, I keep having to clear my throat. I don't mean to make you listen to that. It's the song um, that goes "Murders, Murders in the New Morgue." It's it's a big Wasp song. I'm gonna guess he plays it. But um, anyway, 
thought I'd throw that out. Huge Wasp fan. But there, so I will acknowledge that there is a controversy about Blackie Lawless right now, which we don't have time to have this conversation tonight. We're going to have to do it a little later date. I know Sir Eddie Trunk and Sebastian Bach and a handful of other people have this constant conversation about whether a band should use a track, whether a band should have anything recorded to a track, blah, 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 blah. Long conversation. I'm going to go on record and say this. There is controversy about Blackie Lawless. <clears throat> now, Blackie Lawless admits to using a track for backup vocals, an extra, <clears throat> extra guitar, extra stuff that is beyond the scope of a vocalist, bass player, two guitar players, drummer. He said he listens to it live. It sounds thin compared to the record because on the record, he's able to layer extra stuff. He, said, so, he goes, look, I think you rip off your fans if you're not playing live. I'm playing live, but yes, <clears throat> there's a track that enhances the audio. There's, of course, rumors that he lip syncs. In fairness, though, until I see it in person, there's videos that everybody lip syncs. It's just the way YouTube works. I don't know if he does. I will know more when I get there. But here's my opinion. I don't actually care. Maybe that's wrong. I actually don't care. And I'll tell you why. They're going to put on an awesome show. It's going to look cool. It's going to be awesome. Yep. I rightfully, I rightfully do not care if he's lips. I don't care. I don't care if he's a track. I don't care. I think it's going to be awesome. I can't wait to see it. And Blackie's, like, you know, not young. You know what I mean? There, There is a difference when, like, you you are a 25-year-old. The guy's, like, the guy's in his late 60s. Whatever, man. I think it's going to be awesome. That's my opinion. All the crap that goes on around the internet about Blackie Lawless, blah, blah, blah. I can't wait, and I think it's going to be awesome. Really, I, I'm, I'm excited. The other half of the equation, we are, and we will mention this a hundred times in the end of August, we are absolutely 1,000% going to see Armored Saint and Wasp in New York City on August 26th. We are going. We will be there. We are also doing... We, did you get yours? I don't know if you did. I bought, and they're not expensive. I mean, it's a lot of money, but VIP passes for Armored Saint are like 100 bucks. It's on top of the ticket price. I get it. And look, I'm not forgetting the fact that $100 is a lot of money. It's a lot of money to some people. It's a lot less money to others. I'm not saying it's not a lot of money to me. I'm saying the Blackie Lawless VIP is like 600 bucks. I'm not paying. No, that. thank you. The Armored Saint VIP is 100 bucks. You get a t-shirt, 
which is going to sell for it. Um, you were just at a show. What were Morbid Angel t-shirts going for? Did you see? Uh, all tour shirts for 35 a okay. Morbid Angel might have been more. I didn't actually look at a Morbid Angel shirt, but Krypton and Revocation were 35 apiece. 35 seems low. I was going to guess 40 across the board. So look, I'm paying 100 bucks. I'm going to get a t-shirt. I went on, reserved my size. I'm going to get a I'm going to get an 8x10 signed by the whole band. I'm going to get pictures with them. I can bring three things to get signed. Let's be honest. Delirious Nomad. I'm going to have John Bush signed my copy of Sound of White Noise because that's a very important record to me. And I might even bring something from Fate's Warning to have Joey Vera sign it. Maybe that's uncool, but I don't care. I'm going to do it anyway. I'm, uh, uh, I'm you're thinking about it. Yeah, I'm totally bringing their last live album, and I'm totally saying I want you guys to sign this because I'm pictured on the album. Like, How much I, you want to bet somebody else that gets the VIP package will say the same thing too? Oh, totally. Um, I mean, like it's yeah. I mean, it's New York City. It's the same venue. Like if it was, if it was a different city, like if they were signing in Los Angeles and they were you know doing the New York for that, yeah, of course. There's going to be somebody else. There's, there's going to be somebody who's in the front row. Like I'm, I'm way in the back. Like the only reason I could find myself is because I knew where I was. Like you, if you if you look at the back of that album, even if you know what I look like. You're not going to be like, oh, there he is, because number one, I look a lot different. It was like four years ago, five years right. ago, and number two, like I'm very, very tiny. Like you know, if you look at it, you could say, oh yeah, there you are. Once Kinda I like pointed Vinny's out, Pecker. Okay. yeah, well, exactly. You know, I'm the I'm Vinny's I'm Vinny's Pecker on that album. Um, I might be a little bit bigger than Vinny's, but no, uh, because you were able. No, that's not true because you found it. Um, like, well, by the way, pause real quick. I was thinking, like, I was actually talking to a buddy of mine the other day about something, things about Vakken I can't wait for. And I got to thinking, I'm like, I am absolutely 1,000% going to be on Vakken videos. Guarantee you. Because they film everybody that plays. And everybody that plays is on YouTube. They all are. And lots of those bands don't have huge crowds. And because there's, like, 10 stages... If there's one band you really want to see, then you can go get right up front for that band. I'm not talking the headliners, but like, whatever. If I uh, uh, I want to oh. go see, I want to see War Kings. I love that band. Crap. I highly doubt they're going to draw a huge crowd. Nervosa is not going to draw the crowd that some of the bands will. So there will be videos of that will be seen a lot. By a lot of people, and I'll I, I will be on. I think that's awesome, and I can't wait. And not just like a random someone took a video of it. Like it'll be officially filmed. That is a lifelong thing that I've always wanted to be on a live, you know, DVD or something. It's not the same, but it's close. Um, so can't wait. But I do want to say this. I was on the I was on the Armored Saint live DVD too. No, I know. <laughs> yeah, I've never had that happen. So Vakin will be my chance to at least be on. It's not a DVD, but it will be Vakin's official channel that releases those videos. Um, again, I've been watching them for... Actually, I remember when Matt Barlow had his last show with Iced Earth. He left the band. Tim Owens joined the band. They kicked out Tim Owens. Matt Barlow came back, but Matt is a police officer. So when he came back, he was not full-time in Iced Earth. He said, I can play summer festivals, I can't tour. And for a little while, that was okay. 
Matt Barlow announced his last show, and we're talking, I don't know, what was this, 2010 something, give or take. He announced his last show with Iced Earth was going to be at Vakken, and I remember watching the live stream of it. Like, I used to, and that wasn't, like, I used to live stream Vakken. It's awesome. Um, and my birthday is during Vakken. Like, my birthday is during it. You know, one of the days is my birthday. That's exciting, too. Um, but, backtrack. One of our listeners met up with you at the Morbid Angel show. I will remind our listeners as we get closer. But anybody who listens to this show that is capable of getting to New York City for that show, I really hope you go. New York City's not all that close. It's a five-hour train ride for me, which is not a big deal. But I have to make a trip out of going there. Like, I have to go. I have to get a hotel room. Like, I can't just go to a show there. You know, I, I, I could drive two hours away. Like, I grew, up, I grew up in Erie. I could drive to Pittsburgh. It was two hours away. See a show, come home. Easy. Eh, this isn't that easy. I have to leave on Saturday, spend the night, come back Sunday. Not a big deal. But as it's the time I'm going and you're going, it'll be a rare opportunity for anybody who listens to this show to join both of us at a show. And I think that's cool. This doesn't happen very often. Um, so I just wanted to throw that out. And we will remind people and we'll post about it. But I... First of all, if anybody listening to the show, and I know at least one person is because I've, I've talked to them. Um, another one of our, actually one of our female listeners, but another one that you would know who she is, um, is going to Vakken. And I, I can't wait to see her and or her, her other half. Like, it's, it's going to be great to see them. Um, but I 1,000% hope that anybody listening to the show that lives in New York City that likes these bands goes. I'd, I'd love, and I'm not telling you to buy me a free drink because, I, I, no, that's not my point. Don't buy me a drink. That's not the point. I mean, I'll, I'll take it, but um, like I won't insult. No, 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 no. That's why I clarify. said drinks are not required. They are appreciated. I wouldn't even I'm I'm saying less that I'm not even saying that I'm more saying I won't insult you by not taking it. Right. Like if someone wants to buy me, you're not going to say dump wanna, it on the ground right now. <laughs> right, right, right. Like, I'm not going to say I'm not going to insult you and say no. I'll say, you know what? Cool. In the yeah, same way, my, if, I, if I offer. If I have to buy you a drink, like, cool, do it. Yeah, my point that's is, my I point. Like, you know, I don't want people to think, oh, there's Rex or there's Duff at a show. I don't want to approach them because I'm not spending $15, $20 on a drink. Trust me. You walk up to us, shake my hand, say hi, give me a high five, whatever, and say I love the show. Or just introduce yourself and be like, hey, I listen to your podcast. That's it. That's all I require. Is this a $20 drink venue? Uh, What? Hammersmith? The venue they're playing at? Yeah. Uh, probably almost uh, you, you, you have to remember you're, you're in Manhattan, um, to, to take a crap costs $20. Um, yeah, yeah no, yeah, a buddy that, of mine that, was like, wow, that, that wasp ticket was expensive. I was like, oh, well, it's $20 more than every other, every other city on the tour. Of course. Um, of course. I mean, whatever, who cares? I don't, um, I'm used look, to it. It's not that, <laughs> it's not that $20 doesn't matter. It's in the, in the scheme of me going on this trip, like, I don't care. You know, whatever. Trust me. Point but is, like, dude, the place I'm at, the places we'll go in Brooklyn, like, the, you, it's not twenty dollars drinks at these places. Trust me. Well, well, again, it's Brooklyn. Um, 
slight difference between that and well you, know, you have to remember though brooklyn is getting as expensive as manhattan well, my point I mean is the places is, we're going to are not the types of places well, that are going to offer 20 dollars drinks we're going to bars that aren't directly next to the Madison Square Garden right. and right down the street from Times Square. You know what I mean? Like, like that's what I mean. Like, this venue is right on Town Square Theater. Like, it's right there. You know, I get it. But, uh, so yeah, 1,000%. If you can go to the show, let us know. Love to meet up with you. We're going we're gonna to go to Duff's in Brooklyn afterward. I don't know if we're going to stay, but I just want to see it. We might go there, walk in, and go, okay, I saw it, and go somewhere else. So I'm not even saying we're going to go there for more than five minutes. Maybe we stay all night. Maybe we don't. I don't know. But that's one of the places I want to see. There's maybe others. But again, hey, if you want to go to one of those places, meet, you know, hit us up. And if you're like, hey, I really want to go to, I don't know, St. Vitus you mentioned there. I want to go. Oh, cool. There's yeah, we'll, a Lucky we'll 13 Saloon's a known metal bar. There's St. Vitus is a famous one. There's There's options in the city, so. So exactly. Um, then okay. Now, I know you've got a bunch of shows coming up that you're planning on going to, and I know you always throw it out. Um, but like, there's the Havoc show. I think you probably are going to go to right. In um, August, August fifth, Havoc's playing in Brooklyn. Um, a, a really good friend of mine um, who actually lives in Alaska is going to that show, and he's coming in actually his. His family lives in the area, so he's coming in with to visit his family and go see the Metallica concert at the Meadowlands. And I guess you know after the the day after the Metallica concert is Havoc, so he's going out there. I might be able to make it out to Brooklyn. It just depends. I'm I'm usually go out of town potentially at that that date and time, but I may not. So I it, it just gonna depend if if I'm in town or not. But I'm really gonna try and make it out there to Brooklyn for Havoc. I'm going to see the um, Misfits on July eighth. Oh, well, hold What's on up? real quick. Yeah, I just want to say this about Havoc. It was funny because we were talking about this show before we started recording. And and I was like, oh, it's funny you said Havoc. I'm like, I'm wearing my Havoc shirt. I haven't worn this thing in like two years. And it's my, you know, Liberty or Death or whatever the shirt is. I was like, this Havoc shirt, I love this thing. I was like, I just, I'm like, I almost never wear it. And you're like, really? Because you were <laughs> Yeah, I'm wearing the exact same t-shirt. We were both, and, and you said yourself, like, you almost never wear it. Yeah, I almost never wear it because it's one of my favorite shirts. And I don't know if other guys do this or if other girls, you know, metalheads, whatever, guys, girls, whatever. You have those favorite t-shirts where, and I hate to admit this because it makes me sound wimpy or whatever. Like, normally I am literally a grab it, grab it whatever's on top of the pile type of dude. But, like, you ever have those favorite shirts where you're like, oh, yeah, you know what? I'm just going to sit around the house today, so I don't want to wear this one because I want to wear this out. You know, like, I love this shirt. Well, like, yeah, like, I've got a George Thurgood t-shirt that's been through hell. I wear that around the house. Yeah, like, you or... Because I'm like... Well, it's not even that. It's just like, you're like, oh, I love this shirt too much. Like, if I'm going to wear it, I want to wear it to, like, a well, show or something like that. You yeah, know, there's two things about this shirt. Number one, I like the shirt. Number two, it's actually a well-made shirt. Yeah, I have two like, of it. What what I mean is it's like it's not crappy cotton, like it's a nice shirt. And um my George Thorogood shirt, I have an old Amani Marth. Like I have some shirts that are just they're just you know, they're not nice shirts anymore. So I wear those around the house. This is the kind of one that I hadn't worn in a while. So it's just funny. And I even told you I'm like, I like Havoc, but I'm a bigger Havoc. But call me a poser, I'm a bigger fan of this shirt than I am a Havoc. Um I like Havoc. 
I wouldn't call myself a fan of Havoc. I'd like them. But this shirt was too damn cool to not wear it. <laughs> yeah, it's... it's. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like, so... I know that know, one album is one of your favorite albums, like, ever. Conformicide's insanely good. I love Conformicide. Um, that's one of, probably one of my favorites. Their last one, V, was awesome. I mean, really and truthfully, I don't think they have a bad album. Um, but, you know, I, I Conformicide... It was funny, because I used to like... Uh, 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 oh, God, what's the album before Conformicide? I can see the cover. It's green. It's got a mad scientist. Is that the uh, one unnatural that's selection? Really, um, unnatural yeah, selection. Is that the one that's really popular that everyone likes? No, no, it's uh, uh, it's one with the skull. I think it's uh, uh see, I, I'm having a brain fart because I've had a lot of whiskey. I'm not all that and familiar with Havoc. You're putting Havoc. me on the spot. So, like, so th this is what happens. I have is, every is it, single Havoc final. Okay, I have unnatural every, selection and conformicide. Is it time is up? One of the yeah, records time is up is the one everybody loves. That that's what everybody considers their high water mark. Okay. Um, or a lot, I wouldn't say everybody, that's what a lot of people consider. Cause that was really, you know, it's hard to explain. I don't know why people think that's their high water mark. I love conformicide. I think conformicide is insanely good, but either way, um, my point is, um, you know, it's either way, like, you know, I, I, I really liked that band. Um, I'm, I'm hoping to see him on the 5th of August in Brooklyn. Brooklyn's kind of a pain to get to and from. That's where I, that's what I'm mostly concerned about is that I'm not gonna be able to get home um, because you know Brooklyn's a haul from the, the Port Authority, which is where I usually have to catch my last my last bus to get back to New Jersey. And basically, if you don't get that last bus back to New Jersey, you're sleeping on a park bench until about eight o'clock in the morning the next day. Um, that's why it's kind of stressful. So I normally don't go to shows in Brooklyn, but like I said, my buddy from Alaska. I mean, how often do you see your buddy from Alaska? Um, he's coming in and, uh, so I don't know if, if anybody's going to that show, let me know. I'm going to see the Misfits on July 8th. I'm going to see, as, as Duff mentioned, we're going to see Wasp and Armored Saint. I'm going to see Ghost and Amani Marth, uh, in Camden, New Jersey, the day before the Wasp show. So I'm literally in, in two days, I'm going to see Ghost, Amani Marth, um, Armored Saint and, and wasp so that's going to be two days of insane insanity um i'm gonna have to make sure i get my z i'm gonna have to make sure i catch some z's before that show before that in the mid in the middle of those two shows yeah man that's trying to so i'm gonna be like i'm be like I'm trying to catch some z's man it's so funny <laughs> i um <laughs> so uh, by the way, like like the show that I'm going to, that um, I you know is not one that I'm going to be able to invite everybody to, but I am going, and only because of the location. July 25th, I am going to the Kodak Center in Rochester, New York, to see Ted Nugent on his uh, Adios Mofo 23 tour. Um, if you don't know this. I'm a huge fan of Ted, Ted Nugent's music. Not making a, any comments on Ted Nugent as a person, Ted Nugent as a political. Not take all that out of the equation. I'm a huge fan of Ted Nugent. Have been since I was old enough to know what music was. I just grew up listening to Ted Nugent. I had family that played Ted Nugent all the time. Ted Nugent was just always on. And I'm just a huge fan and 
he's doing what he's saying is his farewell tour. I am aware that when you hear a band say this is their final tour, you know it's bogus. Uncle Ted is ending the tour in Detroit. I do not think there is any chance in the world that Ted Nugent is going to walk up on stage in Detroit and say, this is my final concert and lie about it. I really don't think he would do that. Say whatever you want to say about Ted Nugent. Detroit is a part of him. Detroit music is a part. He's the Motor City madman. Everything about Detroit is in his veins. I don't see. He's not going to end. He's not going to do that. I don't think. I don't think there's. And and he hates touring anyway. Damn Yankees would have gotten together a thousand times, but Ted won't do it. Ted won't do it. Motor City so, Madhouse. Motor City I've seen Ted twice. Well, you've seen Ted twice. Um, you were with me both times. Yep. Uh, I, I, and Tommy Alders was the drummer at the time. Um, both times, actually. But anyway, I cannot wait. I'm just a huge fan, man. And it, it, to me, it's... I just think it's awesome. Like, there, there's very... There's just not... And it was funny... I was saying before, I'm like, if I could see any band this summer, who would it be? And Ted Nugent was my number one vote. And when I found out he was, this is his final tour, I bought a ticket. And I bought two because I have a friend of mine might go with me. And if, if she does, great. I got a ticket for her. You know? If I lose money having a second ticket, I'll deal with it. I cannot wait to see Ted Nugent. So if anybody's going to Rochester to see Ted Nugent on July 25th, I'm aware that we have less, the, the, just due to the size of the cities, better chance we're going to have people meet up with us in New York City than in Rochester. But what the hell, I'm doing that. Say what you want. My favorite guitar solo of all time is Stranglehold. Sucks to be anybody who disagrees with me, but that's my favorite guitar solo of all time. Um, so I can't wait to see Uncle Ted. It'll be... Um, I don't want to say an emotional night, but, you know, it'll be kind of sad. It'll be kind of sad to be like, I'll never get to see Ted Nugent again. But I'm certainly glad I'm going. And it is like three days before I leave for Vakken. Man, I'm telling you, had this tour happened when I was going in, had this had the show been when I was in Vakken, like, I would have legitimately been really mad. <laughs> I was like, damn it. If Ted Nugent is doing his last tour and I can't go, I'm going to be mad. Well, anyway, so that's what's going on. Got to see Ted Nugent. So, anyway, we are running long tonight, unlike Vinny's Packer. Um, so, I think it's about time we get out of here. I want to go. Uh, I want to go. <laughs> Let's be fair. I was going to say I was going to go upstairs and play music. The right answer is I'm going to go upstairs and continue playing Hogwarts Legacy for PS5 because it's awesome. Quick, by the way, review if you're curious. It is an amazing experience for me. I love every second of it. If you are not a big Harry Potter fan, you would play the game and say, it's an okay open world RPG. 
it won't be your favorite open world RPG. It's not going to replace Red Dead Redemption 2 or God of War, whatever. It's not going to replace those games for you. You're not going to say it's better. If you are a Harry Potter fan, it's an unreal experience. It is such a cool game for Harry Potter fans, which I'm admittedly an obnoxiously big Harry Potter fan, and I'm a Ravenclaw. But... And I'm playing a Ravenclaw. Damn it! Um, uh, I disagree. I was I was put in House Gryffindor, but I really think I'm a Slytherin. I don't know. You might be. A, I'd have to let me think. Uh, you probably, you probably would be put in Gryffindor. Honestly, I think you would have. Your 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 evil bits maybe would, but no. I I think you're you would probably be a Gryffindor. I'm a Ravenclaw. There's not even a question about that. But. Um, anyway, so I'm playing the Ravenclaw. It's an amazing game. I just want to throw that out to anybody. I know it has nothing to do with metal, but since I'm playing it a lot... Oh, um, please. Are you kidding me? How many metalheads like fantasy stuff? That's oh, like sure, saying, look, sure. I know we're talking about Lord of the Rings, but it, and it's got nothing to do with metal. How many metal albums are written about the Lord of the Rings? Hey, last week I was talking about how I'm reading Hyperion. Like, every science fiction fan ever... That is a science fiction novel fan has read Hyperion. I know. Have you ever read I The just Silmarillion, haven't. just out of curiosity? Oh, God, no. I tried. Oh, God, it's horrible. I can't do it. I can't do it. The Lord of the Rings is horrible. I mean, I love The Lord of the Rings, but it's horrible to read. It's agonizing trying to read it. It's one of the worst written novels ever that told one of the greatest stories ever. Like, Lord of the Rings is one of the greatest stories ever and God, Tolkien's writing. Oh, it's horrendous. It's the exact opposite of Harry Potter, by the way. I don't think Harry Potter is the greatest story ever told. In fact, it's relatively generic. I can't believe Dumbledore died. Why? Obi-Wan Kenobi died. It's the same thing. But J.K. Rowling created a world and wrote it in a way that it's just captivating from the first page. Um, so anyway, yeah, I'm a huge Harry Potter fan. Um... I don't want to say smash that like button and tell us what host you're in, but uh, I am playing it. If you're a Harry Potter fan, it's a, I think it's a must because, you know, you get to like actually go to classes. You know, you go to potions class. You, um, you know, you, 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 you learn all the stuff. It, it, it's, you know, it's cool. All of Hogwarts is there and it, it's a, it's a pretty cool game. And the story is like Knights of the Old Republic. Where it is set like a hundred years before the events of Harry Potter, which means it's set in that world, in that universe, at Hogwarts, but it's completely detached. There's characters who are like clearly ancestors of characters you recognize. I won't give that away. But otherwise, it's far enough in the past that they could make the story however they want. Knights of the Old Republic did that with Star Wars. Amazing game, by the way. Um, and not only they that, made but the I... They made it far enough in the past, before Star Wars, that they could do whatever the hell they wanted with the story, because it didn't matter. Didn't break continuity, say, it, its own thing. I was going to say, not only that, you sent me a picture, and you're, you're, uh, your character is also a massive ACDC fan. Oh, yeah, yeah. She's wearing a Brian Johnson hat, so she's a massive ACDC fan. Her name is um, Abigail LaFay, um, which I am a, referring to the character in Abigail uh, by King Diamond, 
whose dad was Jonathan LaFay. Um, they don't really say Abigail's last name, but I'm going to do it that way because um, that sounded cooler. But I always name female characters Abigail because of King Diamond. I always name male characters in RPGs Dargor, Shadow Lord of the Black Mountain. Uh, always. But that comes from the band Rhapsody. Not Rhapsody of Fire. This is when they were still called Rhapsody. From the album Holy Thunder Forest, there is a song called Dargor, Shadow Lord of the Black Mountain. So I name all my RPG characters that are male Dargor. If you're wondering why I'm playing a female character in Harry Potter, it's because I was looking at, like, the character faces, and I thought all the dudes looked dumb. Um, I didn't, so I was like, all right, well, she looks way cooler. Uh, anyway, so yeah, Hogwarts Legacy is awesome. If you're not a Harry Potter fan, there's no appeal to the game. It would be a mediocre RPG. Go play God of War, Red, play something else. If you are a Harry Potter fan, start playing it tomorrow. It's amazing. Um, yeah, anyway. So it is time that we get out of here. I am looking forward uh, to a chill day. I am now even more excited for the summer between Ted Nugent and Vakken and the Armored Saint trip. There's just there's a lot going on, you know. This year is already off to being a better year than last year, so I can't wait. Um, anyway, so it's time to go. Thank you very much for listening. Go on our Facebook and our Instagram just to let us know how you're doing. Let us know any shows you're going to. Talk to us. We like it. Again, we always apologize and tell people if we don't get back to you right away, it's because I really don't use social media much at all, so it really lies on Rex's shoulders to do it, and he's a busy guy too. Um, if you have something you specifically want to tell me, you just say, hey, you know, this is for Duff, um, because Rex usually answers it. And if it's your old lady's boobs, really say, let make sure Duff knows. Um, <laughs> but go ahead and do that. We just We like hearing from you. We like knowing what to talk about. If you have a listener pick, do it. We haven't had a listener pick in a little while. We haven't solicited them. Um, and frankly, I haven't looked at our messages, so maybe I'm lying and maybe we do. And I just, I'm a bad person. Anyway, uh, so thank you very much for listening. Been a lot of fun as usual. My name is Doug. My name is Rex. And we will see you again next week on another episode of the Heavy Metal Hangover. Congratulations for actually making it all the way through this episode of the Heavy Metal Hangover with your beer-guzzling, head-banging hosts, Rex and Duff. <laughs>